Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We are two brothers who try to relive their nostalgic past by giving you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more. I'm Adam. I'm John. And I'm Blaheen. Hi. Hello, Blaheen. Nice to meet you. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? No, no. I'm very secretive. Okay. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Then fuck you. Get the fuck off of my podcast. That's actually fucking confidential and how dare you ask me. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm an Irish woman and human and comedian from Dublin, Ireland. I am on the uh, regular contributor or regular trier on the Tri Channel. I used to be on Facts Channel a lot as well. So uh, I suppose that's how you guys would have known me or John would have come across me is um, on on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And then I think, if I'm not mistaken, I picked on John at a Dublin comedy show that I was doing stand-up at. (laughs) I wouldn't say you picked on me at all. (laughs) I think I, uh, yeah, I have a bit about um, about dick pics and I, I pick on a the most vulnerable looking man <laughs> near me. <laughs> no, no, no. John John was very good and uh, volunteered and it was a very good sport. So I'm, uh, I'm very grateful. Yeah, that's how you'd know me. I also have a podcast on my own. It's called uh, I Don't Know Her. I have that with Aoife O'Connor. She's a really, really good friend and an even better co-host, which is actually kind of annoying because it's like, I don't like when people are better than me, but that's okay. <laughs> So yeah, that's me. That's great. Well, thank you so much, John. Uh, so yeah, you you were at a Dublin uh, comedy club. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know this. No. Well, why didn't he go with without me? That's the real question. Like, Be- because you, know. you weren't in Dublin at the time. No, that's correct. That's you need to be in Dublin to go to the Dublin comedy clubs for sure. I was probably in Edinburgh, Edinburgh or Wales at the time. Oh, cool. So, oh, well. Yeah, we were both uh, we were both in in the UK for our stepbrother who actually went to Trinity College. Okay, well, a correction, Ireland is not in the UK. No, 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 no. I know that. <laughs> Let's I know. get that uh, motherfucking straight, okay? No, no, I'm, I'm very well about that. We were in the UK for a wedding in South England. Ah, uh, yes, yes. And yes. we did a tour, uh, my wife and I did a tour, and we went to Ireland. Oh, yes, very good. Trust me, they made it very clear when we got there. Ireland's not part of the UK, which I already knew before I went there. But Yeah, yeah. No, it, it does happen. And uh, in fairness, it actually happens a lot with British people that they don't know. And it's because they weren't taught it because they're the imperialist cunts in this. <laughs> so their schools are like, shh, don't tell the kids. <laughs> don't tell the kids that we're assholes. So, yeah, but they are. <laughs> My apologies to our British listeners. No, yeah. sorry. No, well, the Brits know that I love them um, people, people-wise, but just not history-wise. That's okay, though. We have our own history with the Brits as is. Everybody. Yeah, exactly. Everywhere does. I don't think there's anywhere on earth that doesn't. Sure, that's that. <laughs> so this episode, we are doing an entirely Blaheen episode. We are doing whatever you suggested, which you have wanted to do the Edward Scissorhands movie from 1990, and then also you wanted to talk SpongeBob SquarePants. I didn't realize that Edward Scissorhands came out in uh, 1990. That's the year that I was born. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. I was going to say, you went complete ends of the 90s spectrum. You did the very, very first year, and then the very last year, which SpongeBob didn't come out until 99, so... Yeah, I don't know how I did that. I think I'm a genius, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. And that must be it. That's it. (laughs) So so what kind of significance do these have for you since, you know, you picked them? I would... I would say Edward Scissorhands has a lot of it's very nostalgic for me I was definitely one of those Tim Burton kids you know like don't make friends with me uh, <laughs> I was definitely the kind of 
I was really into Tim Burton. I had read all the books about him and everything like that. I was like in love with him, you know, and then and then obviously now at this stage, viewing it through the lens of today, I'm like, oh, all Tim Burton is is a creepy racist old man. But, <laughs> but who like for some reason is just way too connected to spirals. <laughs> Just like <laughs> the spiral shape far too much. Um, but I did. I really loved him uh, at the time. And I've, you know, seen all the Tim Burton films when I was growing up. And for some reason, Edward Scissorhands, I suppose that was pr- maybe one of the first ones that I ever saw. So it just stuck out to me because I have watched other ones. I've watched The Nightmare Before Christmas recently and so on. Yeah, it just stuck out. I haven't hadn't watched it in a while. Wanted the uh, excuse. Okay, sounds <laughs> good. This movie came out in 1990. What else happened in 1990? All right, so the movie came out December 14th. 14th, 1990, so at the end of the year. The Billboard Top 100 song of that week in the U.S. was a song that I had to look up when I saw it, and I kind of recognized the chorus a little bit, but not a song I really recognize. It's called Because I Love You, the Postman song (laughs) by a guy named Stevie B. Okay. (laughs) All right. I will have to wait until I edit that in to to know if it's any good or not. (laughs) Because However, across the pond, topping the charts uh, in the UK, and I believe also in Ireland. Probably, yeah. <laughs> She's not in the UK, John. <laughs> I just want to make that very crystal clear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, was a little song called Ice Ice Baby. All right, stop, collaborate, and listen. I sit back with my brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly. Flow like a harpoon daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights, and I'll glow. Extreme, I rock a mic like a vandal, light up a stage and watch a chump like a candle. Dance, caress a speaker that booms. I'm killing your brain like a yes, oh, wow. we know that one for sure. Yes, yeah, it's funny that you say that Ice Ice Baby was the in the Billboard Top 100 that week for the UK and Ireland because when I think of it, I think that that's an earlier song, and I'm like, did it only reach us then? <laughs> no, <laughs> that that's about happened? right, that's about yeah. right, that's about the right time, yeah, 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 yeah. Really? 90 was like spot on, so you didn't, you're not too late. Oh, yeah, I would have thought like mid 80s. But no, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, early rap that I equate in my head as being 80s when in fact it's early 90s. Yeah, I think I I also have no concept of time at all. Like <laughs> yeah. I was born yesterday, so I don't know. <laughs> all right. At the Oscars that year, a film that I think we're eventually going to talk about, um, and it may be more nostalgic for me than it is for you, Adam, but the for best makeup, there was a, the winner was Dick Tracy. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was definitely your movie, but yeah, there was really like hardcore makeup in that movie. Yeah. I've never even heard of that movie. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're... <laughs> We're laughing at you, but you know what? You're, no. You're, you're oh, not. I'm laughing at no. you also. I'm laughing because I'm like, eh, you really don't need to see it. It's a very, you know, the movie's bad. The makeup's good, though. I mean, it was a very American-y kind of story. Yeah, Dick Tracy was like an old 
comic book though like way back in in the day kind of like um not quite in a no- noir style comic book but oh. it was it was uh i don't know kind of like a crime yeah, i don't know john how do you explain dick tracy <laughs> it's kind of a, a noir detective story but in think sort of like over the top villains think like think like batman but more as a noir uh detective story but it had a lot of really big name people in it yeah or say or sin city but like more childish <laughs> okay. oh okay so yeah somewhere in between the two yes um, um, yeah. it was, so it was a comic book first. That's weird that I haven't heard of it. My dad collects comic books. Pretty sure. So uh, you think that I'd have heard of it? I don't know if it was a very popular comic book. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't that popular in the states. So <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it would have reached over. It might have been a comic strip instead of a comic book. Thinking about it, that's fair. Anyway, we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, a couple of other. This I just found this funny. So a British sitcom aired that year called Heil Honey, I'm Home about Hitler and Ava who lived next to a Jewish couple and it was cancelled after one episode. What? <laughs> of course it was cancelled after one episode. Heil Honey. Heil Honey. Heil Honey. Heil Honey. Hello. I'm home. Heil Honey. Smile Honey. Because I'm home. Gee, it's great to be Top Gun, but it's nothing like the fun that I get when I say Heil Honey, I am home. Heil Honey, smile honey. Gee, it's great to be back. Heil Honey, I'm home. Too soon. <laughs> Hashtag too soon. Oh my God. Heil, Heil honey, I'm home. Yeah. What, what, what? Like, how does that. Do you know, whenever something actually gets like to one episode, the amount of people that had to have meetings about this that all exactly. agree that that's a good idea. And then you're like, how did this episode, how did this ad for Pepsi with Kylie Jenner being weird even get to TV? Yeah. <laughs> and finally. 1990 was the year that the first female president was elected in Ireland. Oh. A lady named of Mary Robinson. Mary Robinson. Was that 1990 as well? Yes, it was. Oh, my God. So many good things. Edward Scissorhands, my birth, and <laughs> Mary Robinson. <laughs> yeah. The stars aligned. Yeah. Mary Robinson was an absolute legend. She's, like, very... She's very uh, frequently quoted by feminists here in Ireland. Uh, she said... When she got voted in, she uh, made a shout-out to the women of Ireland. She said the... Anna Heron, women of Ireland, who instead of rocking the cradle, rock the system. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. She's I like that. Yes. Yeah, we like her. Well, she sounds like a cool lady. Do you know who else is a cool, who is a, not a cool lady, but a cool guy? <laughs> His name is Jody Sellers. Okay. And he is the sponsor of this episode of the Blast From Our Past podcast. The Jody Sellers Law Firm is taking care of all of your legal needs in the state of Georgia in the U.S. They He can't perform any of his legal needs in Ireland <laughs> to what I have heard but he is a fantastic lawyer he is basically like the Atticus Finch of Georgia <laughs> high praise he is fantastic he's amazing he's going to get you out of whatever you need if you're facing divorce child custody DUI any other criminal or family matter the Sellers Law Firm is there check him out on Instagram Facebook and Twitter at the Sellers Law Firm give him a call at 770-415-9848 and find him at thesellerslawfirm.com if I need a lawyer I know where to go (laughs) (laughs) all right well that bit of business is done let's cut our way into Edward Scissorhands (laughs) oh I see what you did there (laughs) yeah thank you thank you I tried there's gonna be probably a lot of bad puns no I love that there's no bad puns (laughs) they're all good
Edward Scissorhands came out in 1990. It was directed by Tim Burton, as we mentioned. And if you don't know him, you're an idiot. Stop listening to the podcast. Uh Or make sure you go check out Nightmare Before Christmas, Batman, which we already talked about, Batman Returns, Beetlejuice, which we already talked about, and Pee-wee's Big Adventure, a bunch of other stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Scissorhands was written by Burton and Caroline Thompson, who Caroline Thompson is quite an accomplished screenwriter herself. She wrote Adam's Family, which I love that Adam's Family movie. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Also, she wrote the screenplays for Homeward Bound, Secret Garden, and she also wrote and directed the 1994 film Black Beauty, if you remember that one. I know we definitely watched that one when we were younger. Yeah, I think I watched it probably once or twice music not a surprise here done by danny elfman every music that uh, is in the tim burton film is pretty much danny elfman but but he originally wasn't going to do the music for this no way oh it was originally going to be robert smith from the cure Uh, oh shit oh my god he was in the middle of a recording an album and he couldn't do it so it went to danny elfman if this movie couldn't be more goth (laughs) that's the only thing that would have made it a whole nother level that's how to make it more goth yeah uh danny elfman and also well known for the Simpsons, right? Yes. And Desperate Housewives? Possibly. I don't remember, but that's very likely. He did other things like the Men in Black music. He did Mission Impossible from the that the movie, as well as Goodwill Hunting, and then for also fairly famously, he did the uh, music for the Spider-Man trilogy oh. uh, with Tobey Maguire. Cool. But it's as if sometimes it's like, Tim Burton, do you know that there are other composers? Do you know that there are other actors out there except Johnny <laughs> Depp? Are you aware? Yeah. And Hello, the Better Cotter. Well, yeah, that's his wife, Carter, so. They're going to be. Johnny Depp's not them. It's no more. <laughs> yes. He's no more. Special effects in this movie. So like the scissor hands were actually done by Stan Winston. Oh, yeah. Who is an amazing special effects, uh, like animatronics guy who we've talked about before on the Monster Squad but he also worked on Predator, Terminator, tons of different stuff. Stan Winston's a god when it comes to special effects. He, was, he worked on Jurassic Park as well. I absolutely noticed that when I was re-watching it this time, that I suppose because when I was a child, I was able to suspend my disbelief. And so I didn't, I was like, yeah, sure. He's got scissors for hands. His hands are sharp. That's <laughs> yeah. fine. Whereas now I was watching it and I was actually so impressed with the scissors because it's clear in some of it that actually Johnny Depp is the one controlling these scissors and having to cut things as he goes. You know, there's scenes that they could have faked, like, you know, the uh, where he pierces the bed and some water comes out of the waterbed. Yeah. And they didn't, they that wouldn't have necessarily had to be the ones attached to Johnny Depp's hands. But when he's walking down the street and he's cutting off all his clothes and everything, like, that's pretty impressive. It takes a lot of coordination, probably a choreographer or something. That's a lot. So I was very impressed with the scissors hands. Yeah, that sequence in particular, I agree. And we'll, we'll definitely talk about it when we get there. But yeah, that I really liked Yeah, his motion and just cutting off the, the suburbanite clothing and going back to his goth roots. <laughs> exactly, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
best. He name. actually is so. Robert Smith. I think the character yeah. is <laughs> Robert <laughs> Smith. So uh, as as mentioned, this movie stars Johnny Depp as Edward Scissorhands. Uh, this was the very first movie that they worked together on. And then now they've done eight movies together. So they're obviously a, a big team of Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. Winona Ryder plays Kim. Diane West as Peg, our suburbanite housewife, basically the Avon lady. Yeah, yeah. no Peg. She's the hero. Lord. She is. Yeah, she is. She is. She's awesome. She is the hero of the story. And then our villain, Anthony Michael Hall as Jim. And it's kind of weird thinking of the nerd from Breakfast Club yeah. as the villain in this <laughs> Yeah, movie. it's really bizarre. You're like, did you get stung by a bee? Like, what happened? Yeah, yeah he got a little swole, <laughs> didn't he? He got, definitely got swole. He's just puffier. He's like, yeah. just all of a sudden, he's just kind of like, I don't know, something's happened. And it's like, he's had an allergic reaction to life. Puberty. And yeah, Puberty and then, happened. Yeah, and now he's just, he's angry. He wants a gun and he's going to yeah. like shoot the, I mean, it's, that character, I mean, I know that we're going to go further in into it later when we go in scene by scene but I just don't understand how literally someone that has weapons for hands yeah. and you want to fight that guy are you joking yeah and he's like oh it's my God. idiotic yeah what a knob I hate that guy <laughs> Oh, I want to use that <laughs> knob. Uh, yeah, any anytime you can give in like a specific Irish foul language, that's going to be helpful. It's only going to going to make us happier because we only say the same shit over and over again. <laughs> He's a gobshite. Gobshite. He's a prick. A fucking prick. Gobsheen is another <laughs> one. I like gobsheen because it's like that someone took gobshite and just couldn't be bothered fixing like <laughs> fish, finishing the end of it. You're like gobsheen. <laughs> there's a few. There's a few. I'll drop them in. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, and then also Kathy Baker. Uh, she plays Joyce, who Kathy Baker is probably most famous from Picket Fences. Yeah. And there's no way Picket Fences went across the pond. I'd be shocked if if you ever saw Picket Fences. No, I've never heard of that. Yeah. Fair enough. But I I have to say Joyce is definitely on rewatch. Watching, she's my favorite character. <laughs> oh, she is hilarious. She's chronically horny. She's <laughs> yes. She's got to get that looked at. That's a lot. Girl, go get some hormones. Come on. Her leggings were so tight. You just you saw her underwear lines and her underwear color. I know every scene, every time she was. I love it so much. I mean, I don't like the fact that obviously Tim Burton probably wrote that in for us to sexualize it. Yeah. But I love, I love how much she sexualizes herself. She's very. She's like. But then obviously she ends up being an evil character in the end which I'm sure we'll get to but yes. I like when we first meet her I'm like this bitch knows what's up <laughs> she, she wants does. the ride all the time that's what I want yeah. right all right let's let's get talking about her writing yeah uh, and we'll start off we start off with our title credits kind of we get that creepy Danny Elfman music it works really well We get shots of machinery, random stuff as our opening credits are going on. And then we see this mansion on the top of a mountainside. And we get an old-aged Winona Ryder. I don't think the makeup worked very well for her. And it does not stand up. It's so silly. Why do you need to do that? Like, just get someone that's older to play an older woman. I don't understand. Yeah, John John and I talked about this actually in uh, A League of Their Own. I don't know if you've seen that movie. No. That movie's fantastic. And they cast the old people 
so well that I was shocked when it wasn't Gina Davis in old makeup. John just absolutely floored me when he said, yeah, no, that's just a different old lady. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, in this one, it was so goddamn Winona Ryder and it was <laughs> yeah. so caked on and it looked really, really bad that I agree. It's just like, just hire some other person yeah, and, and it'll be it'll be much better off. Yeah, it's really, really odd. It's like, what are you trying to prove? Like, this is how... And I love the way that her reason as well, like later on, she's like, why don't you want to go see him again? She's like, because look at me, I'm ugly. What? <laughs> <laughs> You've aged like a normal person. You fell in love with a, yeah. with a non-human. <laughs> What's going on? Well, you know what? Uggos should just go home and stay home, and I don't want to see them out there in real life. Yeah. And that's that. So why she she knows what's up? Yeah, the whole moral of the story is as well that she's like he was different, so we sent him away. Like, yeah, exactly. just get him some surgery, get him some hat. What is he even made yeah. of? For God's sake, what's underneath yeah. that leather? It's whatever, whatever was in that can, that pink goo, I think. Yeah, it's all. <laughs> every don't try and use logic when own a writer as to why you can't see him. None of the film is logical. Stop. You're also teaching your granddaughter really bad lessons. You're like, oh, once we hit a certain age, we're not allowed to speak to anybody. (laughs) I'm old now, so I can't, you know, function. Fuck off. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, our old lady is telling her granddaughter uh, the story of Edward Scissorhands. Uh, and we start off, we uh, get a backstory about this inventor who uh, who died before he finished him. We get a really nice long shot also from like their house all the way up to the mountain where we kind of then see Johnny Depp looking through the window down at the town. And it's just kind of a nice little glimpse of him before we actually see the full Johnny Depp. Can I just say as well, like the positioning of this creepy old house on the hill mansion being literally just at the end of the street that all these like yeah. suburban <laughs> like they're yeah. all like nobody's ever been up there it's like what it's 40 meters away <laughs> like it's it's literally there someone's probably lost a football over that wall come on like what are yeah. you of course she means soccer ball for everyone else <laughs> in case you're curious yeah. and then we just put it's soccer ball then we just like put we just have this creepy guy at the end of the street and then like the first time that anyone interacts with him ever is to sell him Avon? What? <laughs> Has he got a car? Has he got a TV license? <laughs> like, you know, you're, you're done. When you when you see when you see the shot from a distance, like it looks like it's far enough away. But then you see shots later, and the gate is right fucking there, yeah. at like the end of the cul-de-sac. And it's like, uh, how come no I mean, the houses are right beside that gate? It's bizarre. <laughs> how come nobody went up? They're there? like, yeah, my my next door neighbor, Mister Scissorhands. Like he's <laughs> yeah. literally next door. <laughs> I don't get it. We cut to this uh, very bright and sunny, very 50s-esque suburban neighborhood. Uh, it's it's obviously a parody, you know, a, her- a hyperbole of those 50s, that stereotypes. Yeah. And uh, I think they honestly, they nailed it with the look, with all of the acting, everybody's acting and how they portrayed the suburban housewives and the, the dads who like all eventually like leave at the same time and all that kind of That's stuff. That's what I should ask. Are you guys from suburban areas or? Yeah, more or less, yeah. Yeah. So you do think that that's accurate? Because there's a bit of me when I'm watching it, I'm like, this kind of scene. Oh no, no, like no, it's not. not no, it's it's over the top. It's not accurate. Yeah, it's definitely not over the top. It's it's all stereotype, but it's it's funny because of that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah, that whole like rubbernecking uh, ladies all getting together to bitch at the side of the street and stuff like that. Yes, which is what you. I mean, we all hear about that, and that's kind of what I think of when I think of fifties suburban 
life uh, and then they just kind of like took it to an extreme in this movie I think I love I love the color scheme I love all that those lovely ice cream oh, yeah. pastels all around the place really really nice the fashions and stuff as well amazing so it's nice it is a treat for the eyes no matter I mean the opposite the juxtaposition of the big scary house on the hill which is literally two meters <laughs> away and the lovely colors is nice it does play well you know well, the neighborhood was a, it, I thought it was a set it wasn't it was a real neighborhood they just colored all the houses no way the colors were not originally there but the houses were there they just painted them all for the for the thing so it wasn't a set I mean they were very perfectly spaced apart yeah like everything seemed like very uh, manufactured yeah and like that's what I think also the, the neighborhood was in Florida which makes more sense to me okay <laughs> wow yeah Florida sounds about right <laughs> that's cool though I didn't know that I would have assumed that it was a set for sure so wait then wait if it was a real neighborhood did they build a big scary castle <laughs> <laughs> no that was that was set paintings that was obvious oh okay <laughs> I'm not very observant. No, they built they built an entire mountain yeah. and they just pulled in all the dirt. That's what I was wondering. Here, don't come for me. Don't at me. <laughs> Uh, in this op- uh, other opening scene, we're seeing Peg, who Peg's our Avon lady, and she's trying to sell. And, and we kind of meet the other people in the, in the neighborhood. Uh, we meet Joyce, who is, as we've mentioned, fantastic. She does a fantastic job. She's trying to bone the uh, plumber real hard. Yeah. <laughs> Not having it. There's such a, like, I mean, she doesn't, because I uh, I have listened to, there is another podcast, the Bechdel cast, and they uh, they examine movies through the lens of now and uh, so I was I I had listened to that a few months ago, and they um they were discussing Edward Scissorhands, and they said that 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 conversation, the first two conversations that Peg has in the film, they both passed the Bechdel test, even though the movie isn't specific, like you know, extremely feminist or anything like that. But they both passed the Bechdel test. But the second one or the first one with Joyce does pass the Bechdel test, even though they are definitely talking about a man. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Just the subtext. She's like, Why, Peg? Have you gone blind? Can't you see there's a vehicle in my driveway? <laughs> It passes yeah. the Bechdel test anyway, this whole thing. There you go. And that's that's all you need. <laughs> it's definitely not all you need. <laughs> you definitely need way more. It's pretty easy to pass the Bechdel test. I, I know there are some other... But no no movies do it. I say it's easy yeah, to... Know. Yeah, no one does it. You can totally pass it, as you mentioned, here. And it's not. It's really not like an over, overtly feminine thing. Yeah, it doesn't make the movie woke. <laughs> It's just because yeah, yes. it passes the Bechdel <laughs> yeah. test. Yeah. But yeah, there is a surprising amount of films that don't, which is disturbing. It's crazy. But yeah, so this one does. But then, and, but and it's funny because like most of the characters in it are women. Like, yeah, the protagonist or the yeah. hero or whatever, that's a man. Well, I, do, I don't even think that's a, that's a man. That's a, <laughs> that's a non, that's, what is he made of? It's Play-Doh. It's like a lethal teddy bear. There's no Frankenstein animation that we kind of see through no, it. No, it's I, just the inventor being like, I want to, I want to friend and then he makes the, the, yes. he makes the friend <laughs> he and then he dies friend. and he gives for some reason he gives his friend scissors for hands in the interim yeah exactly <laughs> excuse me find anything else mugs yeah exactly he could have had hooks he could have just had little nubs yeah. anything would have been better anything would have been better it's so impractical why do you have so many pairs of scissors around <laughs> that's my question we see peg who is just very frustrated that she can't get any sales and she sees the old mansion like in her car river or mirror and she's like you know what fuck this shit i am going up and i'm gonna try and make a sale uh she goes up there we see you know those huge hedge sculptures that kind of just set us up that uh you know some somebody has been up there yeah and they're maintaining 
invading the grounds. And it's creepy. <laughs> it is creepy. I mean, it's, you go in there and it looks, she, she walks in because she doesn't give a fuck and she, just, <laughs> she, she knocks, no one answers, so she just walks in anyway. <laughs> She's very brave. Yes, she is. <laughs> like really what she did is stupid and brave, but like, I mean, she is really committed to selling that foundation. I swear to God. <laughs> Buy a lipstick. She is. Yeah. Yeah. You think he could have done that yeah. at least. <laughs> in the end, she ends up using so much on him. <laughs> yeah. The the interior design of that of that mansion is so Tim Burton-y. Those strange curves, yeah, the swirls, all that kind of stuff. Tim Burton walked in and vomited in yeah. that <laughs> in that castle. Exactly. Boom. Just boom everywhere. A stark contrast from the manufactured everything is very parallel. It looks very similar in the uh, suburban below. You get every shape and every angle is a different angle like in that house yeah. where you'll get a cute next to obtuse next to like right all over where everything is very 90 degrees in the suburb below some shapes ooh, some angles ooh. <laughs> yeah we, we like we love talking geometry in this podcast <laughs> adam knows his <laughs> angles get you a man that knows his angles <laughs> <laughs> um I, can i just say though as well like i think that it's very important and very comforting to know that actually tim burton does have more than one setting he does also have <laughs> colorful suburbia yes it's yeah, true but like i mean I, like everything it's so it's just so tim burton that that mansion is just and he did the he did the classic thing where he's like hey yo do you know what we should do though we should put in some slanty windows <laughs> yes you have to have slanty windows <laughs> everything should have slanty windows and he's like yeah, yeah yeah, okay, so this is it's suburbia and everything's colorful and everything like that. But also, um, there's this scary mansion and it's got slanty windows and <laughs> and no color, no color, no color, None. yeah, black and white. Which uh, so Peg ends up seeing Edward kind of up in a corner upstairs. You know, she's uh, trying to to bring him out. He has a very sweet voice immediately. You know, she's about to leave and he just goes, "Don't go." Yeah. It's a very different contrast, obviously, from his look with, you know, very leathery, the big scissors. And then you get this childlike innocence, obviously, that because you see from Because he is him. a baby. He's a baby. Yes. Like he was created <laughs> and then Im- immediately his inventor died in front of him, no less. And then he has to just like live there on his own. I don't even know how he speaks English. S- excuse me. <laughs> True. How does he... How do we know he's not French? What the hell? What's he been consuming? (laughs) How does he know to say the words don't go together and that means something? It's bizarre. I don't know. But he is a child. He's not a human. He is a child. It's the hot baby born yesterday trope. That's what it is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would say his look and if you tie in the look of the crow... Like that pretty much was what created to me like that. That was the goth movement. Oh, yeah. Completely. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's probably why Robert Smith wasn't the guy that did the music, because at that stage, he wasn't even Robert Smith until Edward Scissorhands came out. Because it's (laughs) just that's all it is. It's just Robert Smith in leather (laughs) hiding. But, you know, what's funny as well is if you think about it, like Edward Scissorhands is Tim Burton. That's what he's done. Tim Burton's done the classic director thing of being like, okay, so it's like, it's a movie about me, but how about if I was really hot? (laughs) (laughs) Do you think Johnny Depp looks hot as Edward Scissorhands? Oh my God, yes, of course. (laughs) Really? He's so hot. He's so hot. Even with like like the scars on his face and everything? Oh, even that. It's like, where have you been, baby? Doing bad (laughs) shit. Mm. So you like guys wrapped up in leather? I like, oh yeah. Well, I mean, I'll take take or leave the leather. Like, that's fine. But I mean, yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh, you could murder? me is that it yeah, yeah. <laughs> hot 
hot. You like, yeah, you like your men dangerous. Yeah, I do. I really do. I truly do. Literally dangerous. I really, no, I really do. I like bad men. But like, I, that, Edward Scissorhands wouldn't be my type because he's too gentle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's too yeah. nice. True. Yeah. He's way too See, nice. I, I just, I don't, I don't look at him in this movie and think, oh, that is your hottest role. Like, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's not his hottest role, but he's pretty hot. <laughs> It's, he's pretty he's hot. Pretty, he's pretty. As this weird puppet, like non, you know, animated, yeah. non-human thing. Yeah, you're pretty hot. Well, okay. I mean, he's hot, but the thing is that his whole character, including how he looks, is not really like hot, like man hot. It's very fe- effeminate. Mm-hmm. Very like I, it's interesting that they assign him a, him the gender of a man because really the way mm-hmm. everything else about the whole thing, it's very odd for a protagonist to be not the kind of like macho man. You know, he's very yeah. mm-hmm. very soft spoken, very gentle. So yeah, it's an interest. I don't know. He didn't need to be gendered either, but hey, it was the nineties. It's Tim Burton. Yeah. <laughs> so you got it. But misunderstood man, misunderstood man trope is Tim Burton's only thing. He's just yeah. <laughs> Nobody understands me. I like television. Okay. <laughs> Peg brings him back to her house and we get a whole bunch of uh, intercut scenes basically of the neighbors being super nosy as shit uh, as you kind of mentioned before like yeah those the housewives are all getting together trying to figure out you know they they, they gossip constantly mm, they have nothing else to do Edward sees a picture of uh, Winona Ryder Kim at the house and we just kind of get some like music a little stir up that there's feelings there already you know he's even though he doesn't have blood in his body like something's something's moving downstairs you can tell he does i think he does we see him bleed all the time it's like what is he bleeding chocolate oh yeah you do you're right he's excuse got, me he's got something you're right yeah so what the hell is he made of the inventor made a way to make cookies and then a man <laughs> yeah. yeah you're right though because he does he bleeds all the time and his blood coagulates because he's and he's got scars yeah, he's got scars so like what the fuck yeah exactly was he maybe was he was he a corpse that that the inventor stole and reanimated? I really do. He, he stole it. Huh. <laughs> I am. Um, yeah, I, I, that's an interesting one as well. I was watching this. I was watching it with my flatmate the other night and like I turned to him. I was like, this is fucking bullshit. Because like that, that whole, oh, he just sees, he's never seen anybody in his life. Then Peg comes up and gets him and he doesn't fall in love with her. But then he sees another. So uh, what? This, mm. this non-humanoid is a straight, is a heterosexual. <laughs> <laughs> And he just falls in love with any woman near his age. Yeah. Peg is awesome. I would fall in love with Diane West Un- and unreal. Peg any day of the week. Absolutely. She was a sweetheart. Yes. Yeah. Love her. But like what's with him just being like, do, 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 just like in yeah. love with her right away. You haven't met her. You don't know. She's in a very toxic relationship and needs saving. <laughs> well, as you see, that doesn't matter. It's really it goes only on looks. And that's what that's what matters. Really, that's that's all. The, uh, it's about the uggos. Then again, can I just I like I do need to posit that like everyone's like, oh, Kim's such a bitch because she doesn't accept him. And it's like, uh, actually, fair enough. It's a stranger in her bed with knives for hands. So <laughs> it's fair enough that she's a little bit standoffish. It's completely valid. Yeah. <laughs> everyone's like, she's such a bitch. She just judges him because he has scissors for hands. Yeah, that's something I I would judge people for yeah <laughs> it's a dangerous yeah. person i do love just even early on right here like when when you see johnny depp walking around looking at different stuff when you see him accidentally popping the waterbed at one point and putting like a stuffed bear on top of it uh his 
facial expressions. They're super minimal, but he does such a good job of showing his emotion through tiny, minuscule facial expressions that I think it really adds a lot to the character. Absolutely, yeah. You can definitely tell when... that You can tell that it's supposed to be that he was told, oh, you're a robot now, so you can't really be expre- expressionful, except that you're allowed to be scared and confused. And there you go. Okay, go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. It's it is an, an impressive acting job on Johnny Depp's part. He's still a piece of shit, but yeah. <laughs> he's, he's still... Yeah. You know what? Now he's never going to listen to the podcast. <laughs> God damn it. I'm really sorry that I've stopped you getting Johnny Depp as a, as a guest on your podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we get a quick little funny scene of Edward is putting on uh, clothes. It's kind of like a white button-down shirt and some pants. She gets it together. Diane West says, "You look fine, just fine." And he just snips the snips the uh, the suspenders and things like right away. Uh, it, just those. There's a lot of those quick little scenes in this film that really, you know, they don't, they add just a little extra humor. They add little tiny things about the character, and really a lot of uh, just fun between Edward and whatever he's uh, interacting with. Yeah, it's almost slapstick or something. Like it's almost uh... yes, very much so. Yeah, I love, and one of my favorite bits when I was watching it there was that when she brings him into the house, she kind of gives him a little tour. She's like, here's my daughter, Kim, sexualize her, objectify her. But then they're <laughs> yeah. walking into the next room. She's like, oh, come on, let's get you some clothes. And as they're walking by something like a side table and Edward like p- picks at something and Peg's like, those are grapes. <laughs> It's, just, it's such yeah. a good sentence. She's like, those are grapes. So she's yeah. she's telling him what everything is. And then he's just like interested in this fruit. You help yourself to anything you want to eat or drink. And those are grapes. I just love it. I think it's very good. But yeah, as you put it, there's, there's slapstick. There's tons of that slapstick that ties in with kind of like the naivety of Edward, like using the silverware in this very next scene that he can't use it. And then trying to balance the pee on his uh, his big scissors. Quite funny. I really like the way that they shot that, actually, because it's a POV shot from Edward's perspective, and you see him, like, trying to balance it, and then when he's trying to bring it to his face, it's a direct reverse shot uh, where you're getting right back at his face, and then he drops it every time. Yeah. You know, most filmmakers, I think, would have done more of, like, a, an over-the-shoulder shot with everything around him, and you, so you're seeing all of that, but instead, they do, like, a point of view, so it's like you're as uh, Edward trying to balance this thing and kind of seeing through his eyes. And well, then... Tim Burton said that the whole movie is meant to be seen from the point of view of Edward, which is why the neighborhood looks so fantastical. Ah, okay. okay. All right, Tim Burton, you know some stuff. That is, I've n- I noticed a load, a whole load of stuff that I wouldn't have noticed when I was a kid about the way that it was shot and everything like that. You know, there's a whole lot, there's a load of the mirror shots that are really impressive. The mm-hmm. way that Peg's first sees, the, apparently first sees the mansion on the hill, which is at the end of her street. <laughs> the, part, the way that she first sees that is in her mirror there's a lot you know when Pe- when Kim first comes in she sees Edward in the mirror right. there's a load of those and you just notice those when you're actually looking for the you know anything beyond the story that's when you notice them mm-hmm. so I the never, deeper meaning yeah I never did before so that is a good one I like that in that dinner scene as well that Kevin won't stop looking at him and Peg is like yeah. Kevin yeah it's rude to yeah. stare and he's like I w- you would stare he's like oh it's it gas it's very good and Kevin was uh, played by Robert Olivieri we didn't talk about him but he was in uh, Honey I Shrunk the Kids which we talked about a month or so yes. ago yeah, yeah he, he was uh, yeah the uh, the main science kid in that movie which I definitely enjoyed yeah Okay, so we get we get some other fun, quick little scenes of things like Peg trying to cover up his scars with makeup. Very funny. Like, they just kind of go back to kind of a fish out of water 
humor scenario. And then at one point we're in the backyard and we see Edward really getting into his groove and he's cutting all the hedges and he cuts a big, big ass T-Rex. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't a hedge there before, but then all of a sudden <laughs> no. there's a hedge there and it's tall enough to be a T-Rex. And then every other house in the neighborhood, they've imported hedges also. Apparently they've just ordered in hedges. That's not how hedges work. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> They, how, how, how do people not notice that? Yeah, I will <laughs> yeah. say, so the neighbors uh, are all, all kind of coming over and they're trying to, you know, be super curious and they force this barbecue onto Peg. I love Peg. She's so sweet. She is a little bit sympathetic because I feel like the all of the other suburbanite women really kind of walk over her and she's somewhat sympathetic because of that. I mean, it's, but it, it, an interesting thing is, is that I noticed, first of all, that she's the only person in it that has a job. She's the, or sorry, the only woman in it with a job. True. And also, you don't you don't know Joyce isn't making money. <laughs> you don't well, you don't know that. Yo, she can do what she wants. Her body, her choice. I mean, yeah. I'm up for it. She's married though, so I doubt that she's doing that. But like, she could be. I mean, I I hope she is. She needs an outlet. <laughs> yeah, she does. She is very cooped up right if there. If you're gonna be having yeah. all that sex, you may as well be getting paid for it, Joyce. Do you agreed? Live your truth, girl. I'm I'm empowering you. Anyway, so but. <laughs> Peg, she's like, she's the only woman in the neighborhood with a job. And she doesn't actually seem to, either she doesn't notice or she doesn't care whether the other women like her. Yeah, Yeah, true. She knows that when she's going to be bringing down someone and she can see people looking and she's like, whatever, fuck them. Never mind, Edward. Oh, you've hit your head on the side of the car because you don't know what a car is because you've never been outside. (laughs) (laughs) She, it's like she she either doesn't notice or she doesn't care. Agreed. I think, I mean, and in this scene where she gets pushed into the barbecue, it's not because she cares about what they're thinking. I think she's just so nice. She's trying to please people and that kind of stuff. Yeah, they're like, oh, you're having a barbecue. And she's there. Oh, okay, I suppose I am then. And then, oh my God, the men at the barbecue. Another thing, like I will credit the fact that there was a female, it's very obvious that there was a female writer working on this because it is comically, you know, the, the men are like comically a little bit sexist are a little bit like macho too macho kind of thing so mm-hmm. they're like oh you know you want to play cards with us it's just one rule you can't cut yeah no i mean it's it fit right into those uh, the male stereotypes in that time as well or in like that 50s-esque that they were doing. Yeah. Uh, I do want to say the entire neighborhood, besides the one lady who calls him the devil and shit, the entire neighborhood really approves and like clings on to Edward really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> like They're immediately just like, oh, hey, cool. He's just someone different. He's just something that's not their monotony. So he's like cutting into their lives. Yeah, but when I think of suburbanite stereotypes, typically I think, oh, they see someone who's that, who doesn't look like them Kill it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, you, is they, they go an entire different route with it, which I think is kind of interesting. 100%. Yeah. You'd think that they'd be like, shoot it, kill it with knives and guns. And, yeah. yeah. I know. But no, they like it, I suppose, probably because Peg has expressed that she's okay with it. Let's go with that. They trust her. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> we also got a little flashback scene of kind of the machinery back at the mansion. Peg was using a can opener and that kind of set Edward back into uh, a little flashback. And we see, we finally see the inventor who is played by Vincent Price. Yes. Which is, I think, a fantastic casting call. Brilliant mm-hmm. casting. We just kind of get, we're going to get some more of those throughout, but uh, it's just, we get a little bit of setup of, you know, the inventor obviously knows how to work his machinery. Vincent Price was supposed to have a, a bigger role in this, but his, he already had failing health problems oh, no. at the time, so they had to cut a lot of what he was going to do down to what little he was in. Oh, that's sad. That's sad. And then they, he had to shoot his own death. 
like yeah. very soon before his real death. That's very upsetting. Yeah, yeah pretty much. I mean, if you think that you're going to have a heart attack any day, what Vincent Price, give him regular hands. Give him regular hands. <laughs> I don't get it. But uh, yeah, it's interesting as well, the flashback thing, because it's like, so if, is this the first time that he's ever having a flashback, that he's ever remembering? Like, what is it? Does he have cognitive processes? What's He's not human. Yeah. He, has he just been sitting up in that mansion remembering things all this time? Entertaining himself with memories, painful ones. Yeah. So yeah, but we get a couple of those. We just basically kind of get to see that the inventor is trying to teach him how to be human a little bit. He's reading him poetry at one point, just different little things like that and replacing his body with other parts. Yeah, telling him how to be well-mannered at a, at a dinner table. Yes, you, etiquette. You, yeah. you wouldn't want to use a different fork that you're supposed to and then you'd be embarrassed, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> yeah. And then like Edward kind of smiles a little bit. It's so creepy, so weird. <laughs> yeah, his creepy smile was fantastic. So you're preoccupied with whether he has etiquette at the dinner table but you're not preoccupied with giving him human hands <laughs> okay i see you know what maybe he needed his hedges clipped and he didn't he wanted that to be the last thing before he could afford you know like a landscape and so he didn't he couldn't afford a landscaper so he just was like nah i'm gonna hold off on this because edward does such a good job gardeners are so expensive these days i they suppose are. i'm going to make a a humanoid gardener for myself. <laughs> <laughs> we see uh, Kim comes back, and we kind of very quickly meet Jim, her her boyfriend. You can tell you can tell from the off that he's a fucking piece of shit. Oh can't yeah, you like he's awful. Immediately, he's definite a piece of shit. Yeah, just the way he holds her and the way he kind of like kind of throws her around and like you know kind of it's it's obvious that he's a, he's a it's douche. well done it's surprisingly well casted considering the fact that he's usually a completely different character and then it's well done in your as you're right your his body language so it's not even anything that he really says it's the way that he talks down to her being like oh your parents are gonna be okay and she's like yeah my parents don't run my house like a prison or whatever and he's just throwing her around the place it's really really odd he's he looks like a bad dude you know it does. It does. So she walks into her, her room, and this is when she gets freaked out when she sees Edward. Fantastic scene when he's just freaking out and he stabs the waterbed like a hundred times. Yeah. Uh, love that. Like that's to me, that's one of the most memorable things. It's just him and the waterbed. <laughs> just like that. That battle yeah. is something that, that I always, I always remember. But again, Peg seems like a smart lady. She's in control. She's powerful. But she doesn't think that maybe I shouldn't put the the sharp human man into a, a waterbed. She doesn't make that decision. It's also why does he need to sleep? Yeah, why does he need to sleep? But like they had, they had a pullout couch the entire time. Like if if I had someone come over to my place. I would never have them go to bed like in someone else's bed. Like if I had a pull up, like that's the guest bed. Yeah. Put them on the couch bed the entire time and not on my daughter's bed or my daughter's room where he could do weird shit with her stuff. Yeah. He's going to rip up her stuff at very least, you know, not even by, not even on purpose, just by accident because he's made of sharpness. Peg is all about hospitality. Yeah. True. And that, that, <laughs> that pullout couch was in the basement. She was not going to have her honored guest sleeping in the basement. Yeah. That's true. So I've known people like that who will put themselves out 
for guests uh, rather than have them be uncomfortable. Yeah, but you would think that she would be like concerned about uh, the bed. I mean, I don't understand. It's funny. <laughs> well, she's also a little naive. But yeah, the first yeah, the first time is. that uh, Edward pierces the bed, it starts uh, oozing water, and he just apparently covers it up with a very light teddy, like a very light toy. <laughs> yes, yeah. And then and so that works. But then the second time, you can definitely you can tell that it's not a water bed anymore. You can tell that it's uh, a machine that they've set up to spout water. <laughs> into the air because he's like he just does a little bit of a dance on the bed and then everything's soaked like (laughs) the first the first spout of water was so weak compared to what eventually ends up happening it's like a what's the word a dike what's the word fountain no you know that yeah well i guess you know those words a geyser geyser Geyser. that's it thank you very much i was we were going to be here for ages until i Geyser, exactly. And that's this is that's the uh, same kind of act. It's when when that happens that uh, the dad brings Edward downstairs and gives him alcohol, isn't it? Yes, yeah, exactly. He's like, do you know what it is? Women, they just they start out all nice, and then all of a sudden everything starts puffing up, and then I don't know, they go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so even that is like that comically sexist like it's a real commentary on that kind of like and then he gives him then he insists and he drinks alcohol which is again I mean where was he even putting the food before then he doesn't have insides <laughs> true true and there's no way he can get out of that leather to like excrete anything and so like yeah the food just has to be building up in him yeah but I mean but I just it's quite like I don't understand how he was eating in the first place but then it's very easy don't give a baby alcohol this is a baby that you're dealing with (laughs) don't give the baby alcohol don't do it his reaction though is pretty hilarious (laughs) like just the weird sound that he makes Peg is like you need to apologize and Kim's like I need to apologize (laughs) you put a man made of knives in my bed I don't need to apologize she's there you scared him Kim's like okay I scared oh whatever and she goes down to apologize and then he's all Good, isn't it? So, <laughs> so we're going to move a little bit ahead. We, uh, we've got Edward now, kind of like almost a montage. He's uh, now cutting hedges for the entire neighborhood. And then, kind of funny enough, he then moves into dog grooming. And then from there, he moves into women's hair. Joyce being the first person who uh, wants to very... I don't know, hornily get a, <laughs> a I, haircut. I, like, I love that scene so much. It's such an erotic haircut. <laughs> it's just moving her yeah. head and she's like, oh, what? She, I mean, she, it's an orgasmic haircut for her, for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Fair play to her. <laughs> but we get, we get a really good violin going as she's doing Joyce's hair. Uh, I, re- I like the music choice on that one. It's just like, it's just frantic as he's kind of moving his hands and, on, and knives everywhere. Uh, we get a very fast, the violin just going crazy. I didn't notice. That's cool. I'll have to watch it again. And the haircut <laughs> that he gives her is really cool. It is, yeah. Every every haircut that he gives all of the women looks really, works well, really nice. I don't know. There's one that has, there's one that well, has a bird on her head by the end of it. Another one that yeah. has a square. I love the way he doesn't use any product. He's just like, yep, your hair's square now. There you go. You're, you've got a box on your head. We, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump ahead to a scene where he's at a talk show. A kind of a weird scene. I don't, I don't really understand this whole talk show. There was really no necessary bit of it, but uh, he's in there and he's answering questions. And uh, the only kind of the thing that I want to call out is just as he's about to answer this question about, you know, does he have a girlfriend? Because this whole town is so infatuated with him because he's different and he's new. Yeah. Uh, and so we see Kim is watching it with her douche. 
<laughs> boyfriend, Jim, and they're making fun of her. You know, more of that slapstick comedy, he accidentally touches the microphone cable and it shocks him. And electrocutes him. Which is funny because uh, really that's not how microphones work at all. <laughs> they're not powered like that. <laughs> you know, you just plug in an XLR cable and they they don't draw power enough to do that. But whatever. <laughs> it's, it's, I like the way as well. I was sitting there and I was like, I oh, offended is a little bit too much, but I was there. Oh, of course. Because there's a lady in the audience that asks him, um, hey, uh, would you think about getting work done? Because I have a doctor friend that might be able to help you. And Edward says, I'd like to meet him. Oh, yes. The doctor could be a lady, Edward. Edward has been living in a castle on top of a hill for many, many years. And yet he still has ingrained <laughs> misogyny. I didn't even think about that. But that's the problem. I'm just because I'm just I'm a fucking man. And it didn't, it didn't register with me. And that's my exactly, problem. Exactly, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a goober sheen. I'm a whatever it was. Gob sheen. A gob sheen, a goober sheen. Yes. Um, I, like, it's funny. I think it was actually, I noticed it at the time and then it was in the Bechdel cast as well. But it's just, how has he got this ingrained sexism? Yeah, <laughs> true. In him. It's like so insidious. <laughs> uh, wow. I, yeah, that's good. I didn't, I didn't notice it at all, but like that is 100% uh, a problem. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Edward wouldn't have that because really in real life, he'd be like just making noises. Actually, the most accurate portrayal of how he should have been is probably the alcohol scene because that's what he yeah. should sound like all the time. <laughs> yes. He shouldn't have language. <laughs> Don't understand where that came from. But. Yeah, we get uh, another kind of a, a quick scene of Joyce being horny. <laughs> she wants to set up this salon and she's trying to seduce Edward and he'll be like, you know, the, the star. He'll be the hair cutter and she tries to seduce him in the back and, oh God, I just I just have to say I love that Joyce character. Uh, it was a Kathy Baker. She does such a damn good job of every little just motion that she makes. That's true. And the way she kind of just gets on top of Edward and him. I mean, he does a fantastic job of just being pretty much scared as shit <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, I, I don't, this scene is upsetting because it's like the the way that it's used later on is really problematic where it's kind of yes, she yeah. because she feels jilted by him she pretends that he she spreads the rumor that he tries to that he tried to rape her but you know that's really problematic in this day and age because that's a huge problem is that people think that uh, we shouldn't believe rape survivors because of uh, the fact that mm. there is a percentage of people that lie about it but like that is so low it may as well not exist and so the movie kind of giving this a uh, bit of attention is in the in the wrong way saying see it does happen this crazy bitch in Edward Scissorhands did it so it does happen so that's upsetting but the scene itself is very good I like it but it's just an upsetting scene because it means because he basically she basically does rape him like she sexually assaults him yes and it is he is a baby like don't have sex with the baby (laughs) noted okay hold on I'm writing I'm writing that one down (laughs) don't have sex with the baby (laughs) find a blank slate and you think that you should have sex with it stop yeah don't have sex with the babies no. but, but he's basically a puppet I can have sex with puppets though <laughs> I mean this one I, I suppose there is an argument to be made that it's like is it it's not it's not <laughs> I don't know I, you know in the the whole bestiality argument to be made about beauty and the beast. <laughs> but he's not an animal but he's not a I don't know yeah I don't know definitely okay like let's just let's just move on we should about move that on. <laughs> moving on uh, we should move on don't have sex with babies let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> 
So Jim earlier saw that Edward can use his uh, use one of his knives and pick locks with it, uh, and so he wants to use Edward to steal something from his own house that his dad has, so he can get a car. Uh, <laughs> Jim's such a such a douche. He's such a piece Don't of shit. Like He's got so much money. Like, why are you so bitter? <laughs> of course, Edward ends up getting trapped, and uh, they all ditch him in the scene, and the cops take him in. What I do like is, like, you know, he he just walks out. Him and his naivety, you know, he's just walking out with his hands up, and it yeah. looks like, you know, he's got he's got weapons coming at you. So the cops are just about to plug him, and and I'm curious what would happen if he would die, since he is a <laughs> robot thing or not. He don't. He won't die. He doesn't yeah, have. Yeah, I mean, he can't. I mean, because we saw him alive with all of his bits and parts scattered across the table there's no way he would die but i don't know but it probably would hurt him or or whatever whatever is the closest equivalent to pain that he can feel because he's he's shocked every time he cuts his face exactly exactly he flinches so he feels something yeah even if it's just oh i've got something's there's a power outage (laughs) in my face (laughs) what powers him what's going so many questions (laughs) but yeah that scene is so upsetting because it's like you're watching it and it's really someone just using his naivety and it's very tragic to watch it's very sad it's hard i it's one of those scenes that i really i find it hard to watch because it's the injustice of it is very painful which is the point though i mean this is this is partly what helps turn kim this is at least like the starting point of her turning away from jim and i really hate that they named them kim and jim that's a terrible couple i just pisses me off that's but, fair you know that's my own issues no that's fair it now pisses me off too i didn't realize <laughs> yeah <laughs> they get him out of jail but now like the neighborhood is basically turning on him this is this is the point that you kind of talked about earlier where they're kind of flipping the script that you know they all you know loved him but then they, they, now they're all thinking that he's he's a bad hombre if you will yeah because they're like what it was what if it was my house it's like, well, it hasn't been up until now. Exactly, but they don't know the truth, and so there's just miscommunication. It's, it's issues, but um, but we see, yeah, we see Kim starting to take Edward's side a little bit. At the same time, we see Edward sees Kim with her douche boyfriend, and he, he now we're seeing his emotion actually coming out. Where he, this is where he starts scraping up the drapes, scraping across the house and like the and the bathroom. Um, and he's he's really kind of showing, you know, not just the. Naivety. Oh no, but that isn't that later because he goes to the police station first, and then it's later on, like where he has a freak out with, because he sees Kim with Jim and. Yeah, yeah, I I, I kind of skipped us to out of the no, that's police okay. station. <laughs> well, I just because I like the police station scene; it's so good because the the only black character in the whole film. <laughs> True. The old- he's like the go- the well-to-do policeman, and he's like, I'm just worried about him, and he seems to understand him more than anybody else. And he's like, I. It's fu- it's funny you say that because I was watching this with my wife uh, a couple nights ago, and we got towards the end of the movie where you see the policeman come back, and she kind of just shook her head and she goes, you know, the only black character in this movie, and he's the only reasonable one. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. He's the he's the only voice of reason in the entire movie. And he's so he's so good. He's like, I can see that you're a baby. Everybody <laughs> yeah. else seems to have not have completely missed that. I can see that you. I love that scene where he's a uh, where your man, the psychologist, he's like, oh, due to his uh, the fact that he's been isolated for his whole life, his social skills are not good. He like goes into a proper full breakdown of you know the the, the character and how and how he's been kind of isolated and he can't function properly the same way that you'd expect for someone to function. And then the policeman is like, okay, but. Will he be all right to go outside again? And your man's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he could get a job. 
I'm going to pose this other question. So yes, he seems he's very reasonable. Um, he, I agreed. He's a very, um, just seems like one of the more intelligent people in the entire movie. But because he doesn't follow through with his job, it costs Jim his life. Because he doesn't follow Edward up to the mansion and arrest him as he probably should have, Jim then further gets stabbed to death and falls out yeah, the window. Yeah, but Jim's a piece of shit. Why did Jim get a gun? <laughs> and we don't care about Jim. Jim was trespassing. That's on Jim. No, but, yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. No, because, come okay. on, Jim is, he is provoking Edward throughout the film to eventually hurt him. Yes. He keeps starting on him. He keeps coming up to him being like, hey, you think you're a big shot? It's like, he actually doesn't think he's a big shot, but he does have weapons on his like on his limbs so <laughs> agreed he's a, he's a complete asshole does that equal you should be stabbed to death and fall out of a window no but it does <laughs> so, if you're about to shoot someone he was defending himself if you're about to shoot yes someone, of course he's gonna be at that point at that point yes you know he took it to another level as he was bringing in a gun and trying to shoot him exactly agreed on that part. and it was jim that made the decision to go up there but if the cop had taken in edward and put him trot him back to jail or took him to prison then everyone would have been alive just think about that. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't deserve it. Was, everything that Edward did wrong was because of Jim. But does, does that, does Adam, that mean Jim that should die? Adam, okay. nobody cares about Jim. Let's move on. <laughs> okay, fine. No, I know exactly what you're saying. It is weird. And you can see yeah. you can see Tim Burton doing that. This is a classic Tim Burton thing where he's like, I don't like bullies. I was bullied for my whole life because I'm weird. And now I don't like yeah. bullies. And so <laughs> we're going to murder all the bullies, okay? We're going mur- to murder the bullies. We're going to murder the bullies. And so you can see him throughout the film make, you know, making little things happen so that at the end when when Jim dies, we're like, yeah, fair enough, he was asking for it. Yeah. But <laughs> the I think the final straw and the thing that Tim Burton put in, especially to turn the audience, is Jim assaulting Kim. Yes. He hits her. And so that is kind of what sends Edward over. Edward wasn't going to defend himself, but now that you're taking... And your violence against women is his cutoff point and he's like you know he's angry so I think that Tim Burton put that in especially so that the audience would be like well fair enough he hit a lady and you're not meant to do that <laughs> he deserves it but in the end it's like oh Tim Burton he would he already had a gun uh, and he was already coming at a man that had knives for hands so it probably would you probably could have done without the violence against women in your movie Tim Burton yes. can, you re- <laughs> can you just resist hitting yes. women in your films and I'm just saying if the cop did his job everybody would be alive maybe Jim could have found you know a, a new light he could have been reformed he could have been a good boy That's but fair. he didn't yeah but the decision had already been made Adam to just to, to just ice, exile him again Peg has already yeah. said do you know what I think that maybe he should go back up to the mountain I think that maybe yeah, yes. everyone was better off when we weren't trying to understand someone who's different to us <laughs> so I'm just trying to point out that the cop should have done his job <laughs> the cop should have done his job the cop is like the uh, he he saves Edward, you know, because he knows that he he, does. he is a baby. So. Yes, but he is still a good character. I still like him. Uh, just trying to play devil's advocate. <laughs> anyway, well, we talked through most of like the rest of this, but. Uh, <laughs> But we get, I mean, well, we, what we didn't talk about was the ice sculpture, um, which is a good scene where Edward is cutting up this whole big ice sculpture for a Christmas party. Yeah. And we see Winona Ryder kind of dancing in the snow. Um, and this is like the only time that it, quote unquote, snows in there, which I, I, I kind of thought this place was 
it didn't set, tell us where it was set, but it kind of felt, I don't know, it felt almost California to he, me. Well, mm. uh, Burton grew up in Burbank, and I think he modeled the town after Burbank. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense, yeah. I And I, I live very close to Burbank, and so that makes sense to me because it just felt like, oh, this is this is California for sure. Yeah. He invented snow. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> he in California? Snow. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Question about the ice sculptures and about the hedges and everything. Again, how does... Edward Scissorhands know before he's met Peg how does he know what like a deer looks like or anything it's really weird yeah has he just got picture books I'm guessing yeah he's got to have all the books or TV or <laughs> something TV I don't know <laughs> he pays for cable well, yeah <laughs> he has to he's got you know yeah how else would he learn English so That's well what I'm saying this is what I've been saying well I mean this was 1990 so there were still antenna television he could have gotten yeah. like the three basic yeah three basic channels yes yeah, he'd pr- have pretty good reception at the top of a hill like that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> he could he could touch the TV and then use his scissors uh, as an extra antenna, kind of how you wrap it in tinfoil back in the day. Absolutely, but he's yeah, got the scissor hands, so it makes sense. All right. So he's okay. Good. Well, that's my question answered. So yeah, <laughs> so we already kind of talked about um, just some of the the issues that you know he's been dealing with. You know, Jim provoking him into fights. Uh, Edward kind of walking off. I do want to bring back up that scene where you know he's walking off and he cuts off all of his clothes uh, in, back into kind of his back to his original leathery goth attire and mm. the coordination, as you put it, Johnny Depp had to have and just everything. It looked really good. That's probably probably my favorite shot in the entire movie. I was scared that he was going to cut his own face like as in the (laughs) actor right you know because if you're if you're going around with shears on your hands then and you have to act that out like you've got to be careful and it doesn't look like he is it looks like he is just going going haywire you know yeah exactly and then i do want to also call back to we have a flashback at one point of the inventor actually having the hands and giving them their he's ready to put them on and this is the point that he dies he either has a heart attack i think he has like a brain embolism because he just fucking stops (laughs) right then and there i mean we get a very creepy shot of Edward moving his scissors like through the hands to try and like embrace his father yeah. or something and it just it looks it looks very scary it is a very um, interesting shot I think I like the way they did it yeah it's very it's it is really upsetting because you're like as he's realizing what's happening so are you so you see the scissors coming up through the hands and you're like wait what the what the hell and then you can you're coming to this realization at the same time that he is it's very sad that uh, face acting by Vincent Price as well is pretty phenomenal yeah I mean, he, <laughs> he, goes from- he played dead very <laughs> Well. But no, I know the face, you know, where he goes like from being overjoyed because he's giving his, mm-hmm. to be honest, it, it's his fault that this person was handicapped in the <laughs> yeah. first place. So it's fair enough that you want to give him some hands now and you're delighted that you can finally give him the gift of hands. And uh, so he goes very from being really, really happy to being very, very scared almost. He looks scared when he dies, do you know? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some good face acting. I'm gonna kinda I'm gonna try and move us through fairly quickly, but we see Jim was drinking with his buddy and they're trying to like drive back <laughs> to Kim's place at one point. Yeah. He's just like, drunk driving, what an asshole. This scene is where he's like I mean, you're probably around the corner. Just walk. He's like, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, like exactly. I need you to drive me there. And his friend's like, Don't make me drive, I can't even fucking see. And he's like, Just drive. <laughs> you're so full of macho energy like what is <laughs> where, who raised you <laughs> 
My God. And uh, the younger brother is walking down the street, and Edward ends up saving him from getting hit by the drunk driver, but accidentally kind of, you know, cuts him up a little bit on accident. He's just trying to help more that, you know, naivety. This is what helps kind of the last little bit of what, you know, Edward has to, he has to get out of there. You know, he's not, um, it doesn't make sense for him to live in that area anymore. And so then we we have the the whole scene of Jim up at the mansion, and we've talked about that uh, plenty, and we are, are very happy that Jim dead i agree he, he hit a woman he tried to shoot them with a gun uh he deserved to be stabbed it's and the shooting and like he brought it on himself i'm not saying he deserved to be but what did he expect like this is all throughout yes. the film whenever he's coming up to edward yes. and starting on him every single time i'm like dude what are you doing he's got fucking limbs made of knives yeah. What are you doing? And he keeps on doing it, you know? Like, he does push him to it. He provokes him. Uh, and then we end the movie cutting back to old Winona Ryder, old Kim, and she's kind of finishing off the story. We also see Edward, you know, in the present day. You know, he still looks the same. He's trimming his garden sculptures. We have some really good music just going on right here. And she talks about, she brings back the snow, the one scene where she was dancing with the ice sculpture and how much that meant to her. You know, it didn't snow there before Edward was around. We then kind of, and then the movie ends with him working on uh, snow sculptures or ice sculptures at the top of his mansion and it kind of all blowing out to the town below. And so he is creating snow, which I I, I thought that was weird. Honestly, I didn't. <laughs> Scientifically unsound. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, it's not, that's it's not that couldn't have happened. I didn't see a big fan. Did you see a big fan that actually blew it out? Because I sure as hell didn't. That's not that. how it works. That's not how physics work. It's really not the only that it's that's really not the biggest uh, glaring error in this film. So I'll I'll allow it, I think. It's like, oh, oh, you'll believe that someone has scissors for hands, but you won't believe that they can make snow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, and it's really warming as well because he has done an ice sculpture of her dancing. I wonder does he uh, is Edward like environmentally or weather conscious at all? Does he only mm. make snow at, at win- in winter? Like he doesn't want to confuse the locals. Does he? So. No, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, does he think about it? Or does he just make an ice sculpture of her every single day? All their crops are failing because of Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> Who knows? That's probably it. All right, let's go into our final thoughts. Uh, Blaheem, would you tell us uh, what's your, yeah, this, I mean, this is your movie. I want to hear, well, how do, do you feel it held up? Um, you know, just everything. What are your final thoughts on the film? I don't know. It's a, I do feel that it held up. I, I, I enjoyed watching it. I kind of a little bit more than I thought that I would actually I thought that it wouldn't date that well and that I'd probably have you know when you watch something I, I'm, I can, I'm sure that you can tell like I'm pretty I'm an ardent feminist so I've ruined a lot mm-hmm. of things for myself by <laughs> by rewatching or by, by by examining them in that kind of way I can't just enjoy something anymore do you know but I did really enjoy it I have to say I was surprised I was pleasantly surprised with how much I was able to enjoy it and even how I don't like the way that it was all tied up but it's a movie so you can't really have oh 20 years later and he's like an integral part of society (laughs) (laughs) that would have been nicer but like that's not a it's not realistic for a film so I yeah I did really like it there were bits that I didn't remember I can't believe that I had forgotten the cop 
the cop is like a great character. Oh yeah. I really had remembered Esmeralda, the religious lady. She was one of my main memories of this film for some reason. Mm, okay. It's almost as if when I was a child, I was kind of scared of her. Oh yeah. We didn't, we didn't talk about her too much, but she was, yeah, she was kind of a freaky character. She was a freaky character, but she's not re- She doesn't feature in the film as much as you would think from my memory. Like I thought that it was like her against him kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I remembered that devil scene really, really vividly. Yes. Uh, so she, and she is, she's very creepy. She's very scary. So I feel like uh, I had remembered her. I haven't, re- I hadn't remembered the cop. I hadn't remembered Joyce as much either. So I'm really glad that I actually rewatched it with this brain, this current brain of mine. <laughs> Uh, all right, John. Uh, movie held up pretty well for me. Uh, there were a, a lot of things about it. I thought there were times when it was a little slow moving. I don't honestly. I don't know if I'll ever go back and rewatch it. Yeah. Okay. The parts that I remembered, I still loved watching again. It's a sweet story for all of its glaring scientific inaccuracies. But <laughs> whatever are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you haven't seen the movie in a long time, it's probably worth a, a rewatch just to see if it holds up for you. But uh, uh, for me, once seeing it once again was enough. The, the only way maybe I'll watch it again is when my kids get a little bit older if they want to try and see it if they get into more Tim Burton stuff I'll show it to them but uh, eh that's my eh? Eh, eh, okay. that's my take on it uh, so I own the movie I've, I've watched it maybe a couple times but I probably haven't seen it in like for the last I don't know six years or so um, I do think it's very interesting it's a unique story but it's a good one even though I would say for me it, it's not a film even as I rewatch it that hits my nostalgia all that much but it's a movie that I do like as a filmmaker and for someone who I went to film school and I moved out to Los Angeles to work in movies like this is the kind of you know just a weird artistic movie that's like I like that these kind of movies are made and so I have an appreciation for things like Edward Scissorhands so um, I probably liked it better than you did John particularly just because it's like okay I see some of this weird artistic quality and I'm like yeah I want to make weird artistic movies one day <laughs> so so I, I definitely I definitely enjoyed it and I think if you liked it when you were younger it's definitely worth your time it's like revisiting your inspiration or something that's cool yes very much so all right well, well that's our wrap up on Edward Scissorhands now let's move on to Spongebob Squarepants what a what a perfect fit <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, this show started in 1999. It is still going on. It had 12 seasons so far, and there are 244 episodes that have come out so far, but there's going to be more. Uh, this show has just been consistently going. It's it's really kind of taken over Nickelodeon and pop culture. Um, it was created by Steven Hillenberg, who was a writer and producer and director on Rocco's Modern Life which is a, a oh, show yeah. that I definitely remember. Yeah, I remember Rocco. Um, SpongeBob SquarePants was just a little bit later past my time, I will say. I was 14 or so when this show came out, and so I was like, that's a little too old uh, for me. to, you know, I was, I was too, too cool, so I didn't really get into it. <laughs> I will say by far most episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants were directed by Vincent Waller, who he also directed episodes of Ren and Stimpy and Harvey Birdman. Oh, okay. So you can definitely see, to me, and we talked about this when we talked about Ren and Stimpy, that there are a lot of similarities in their artistic style yeah. and, and just their animation style. And I definitely saw that rewatching this mo- this uh, show. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also want to call out uh, Steven Hillenberg, the creator, also provides the lips for the pirate in the opening theme. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> so I like that. That is some fun trivia. That's very good. He doesn't do the voice, but that's his, that's his lips. His stamp is really on it. <laughs> in the it is, of it kids. is. 
Yeah. I mean, that theme song, let's just go ahead and talk about it. That theme song is so goddamn catchy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? Be something you wish. Then drop on the deck and flop like a fish. Ready? SpongeBob SquarePants. SpongeBob SquarePants. SpongeBob SquarePants. I put it on. Like I don't really care about it, but the second I put it on, my wife from the other room started like screaming the song and, and just started going, <laughs> "Who lives on a pineapple under the sea?" And she was immediately going about it because it's a, a song that kids can sing along to. I think it really just helps people get into that show right away. It's loud and it's full energy, and it's a uh, short. It's short and sweet. Like it's a good theme tune because it's like okay, there's like two bars and then there's a chorus and then goodbye. That's it. Yeah, I mean that's a perfect way to just explain. SpongeBob SquarePants anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's weird and full of energy and short. And they just like, that's kind of what you get every single episode. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Is that really like uncommon? When I was watching, when I was rewatching it, I was like, oh, each of these mini episodes, there's two ep- mini episodes within one episode. It's like, what is it? 15 minutes or maybe 12, yeah. 12 uh, and a half minutes? It's more, per... more like 11 or 12. Yeah. yeah. Commercials. Like you got to have room for ads. Is that regular? Is that? So, so it depends on uh, different shows, but like old, you go back to like old things like Looney Tunes that they would do things like that. Oh, yeah. Um, we watched a show called Doug that they did that same kind of thing. Oh yeah, Doug is brilliant. Yeah, they did. They did. So it's not an uncommon thing to split it up between uh, to two two mini stories. Yeah. Okay. So like, yeah, as a format. But I wonder, is it still has that prevailed? John, you're the only. Are you are you the only one with kids? So you te- you can tell us. Oh, yeah, I don't have any kids. Ew. N- nor do I. So John, <laughs> yeah, you, you're the only one who has access to these kids shows nowadays. Do they still do that. Access. You can access them just as easy as I can. Well, <laughs> yeah, but I have no reason to without looking creepy and weird. Visit your nieces and nephews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're five hours away. Uh-huh. Yeah. Aww. I live in Las Vegas, so that's a long drive. Uh, but no, I would be. I'd be interested. It does has the has the format kept on? Yeah, actually, there's quite a there's quite a lot of stuff that still does the uh, the twelve to fifteen minute format. Mm, I see. It's not. I wouldn't say it's prevalent, but enough to enough. That it's not strange or unusual. W- worth the watch, or <laughs> <laughs> I think it depends on the show. <laughs> yeah, of course, for okay. sure. Uh, well, SpongeBob was the highest, or is the highest-rated series to ever air on Nickelodeon. Wow! It absolutely it changed Nickelodeon, and I personally kind of feel, and and partly maybe it's just because it fit really well with just my age that there is basically pre-SpongeBob Nickelodeon, and then like post Spongebob where it feels like Nickelodeon totally kind of changed just everything about it. It just felt very different, but Spongebob was so new. Also, Fairly Odd Parents was a show that lasted forever too. I forgot how like that show lasted like almost 16, 17 years. Yeah. Like that was ridiculous. I definitely saw like a shift um, of just like how they tackled their shows and just the look and feel of their shows because I go back and I think of like stuff like Doug, Rocco's Modern Life, other stuff like that, but they were all very weird. But yeah, then Spongebob just like just dominated. Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't realize that it was still going. I'm kind of like would question how that happened. Did they take a long break, a few years or something? Because I think there've been periods where they they would they were either canceled and then came back, or they took time off and then came back. Yeah, but they've only had twelve. I mean, they've only had twelve seasons. So then they probably have been. It has, probably has been exactly that because it's been more than twelve years since 1999. It's been twenty. So this is actually the twentieth anniversary of SpongeBob. So and in each episode, each season is about between twenty to twenty six 
episodes. They definitely haven't haven't been going every single week for every year. Yeah, so. yeah. It's but it is. It's a. It's you can definitely remember the whole pre SpongeBob versus post SpongeBob shift. Yeah. I mean, even as a show, it's kind of a little bit more exploratory of like uh, yeah, I remember mm-hmm. when the when the movie came out that everyone was like oh my god these are two male characters holding hands and everyone's yeah. freaking out oh there was it, a whole that was the whole big thing yeah. about like people people went crazy about like oh my god what is Spongebob's sexual orientation like who gives a fuck yeah, exactly. he's a sponge Every, he's a sp- he doesn't have a sexual orientation because he's, he's an inanimate object wearing for some reason the shirt and slacks <laughs> but he, everyone was so obsessed with it they're like it's as if the worst thing that they could ever see is two men being nice mm-hmm. and sensitive towards each other and showing each other love which was really bizarre I know that that's more the movie than the show uh, if I'm being really really honest when I was re-watching the show I couldn't pay attention I was like it was just too yeah much. it's tough too no it's it's it's, it's, it's- very weird it's, it's kind of out there and because they're just short little stories there's no cohesive storyline through any of it so as an adult it's really hard to keep paying attention because you're just like well this isn't going anywhere yeah. this is just weird slapstick comedy to make a child laugh and that's great for a kid yeah but yeah I mean as you're older it's not so much I was really looking forward to it as well because I really I used to obviously because you're supposed to I used to hate Squidward but then in the years since (laughs) whenever I've thought of Squidward in the years since I'm like he's actually kind of a legend I kind of think of him as I kind of think of him as maybe a bit of a queer icon you know like he likes dance Mm -hmm. and he likes you know he likes the clarinet and he uh, like I mean his obviously his sexual orientation isn't discussed as, as it shouldn't be on a TV show like everything about him is really like weird Weird and I'm he's a loner you know and he's happy to be weird uh, I just really wants like to be him. left alone yeah yeah I really like and he lives in a tiki head <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about the voice actors um, Spongebob was voiced by Tom Kenny well it's no secret that the best thing about a secret is secretly telling someone your secret thereby secretly adding another secret to their secret collection of secrets Secretly, we've talked about him before on the podcast. Just for, I think we've used him for some other castings. But he was a uh, heifer on Rocco's Modern Life. Mm. Oh, cool! So let's hit the road like the greatest road trippers of all time. Guys like Jack Kerouac, the Greasy Riders, Peter Fondue, and that other guy. It's not just a fun idea, Rock. It's our patriotic duty. He also did voices for Cow and Chicken, Cat Dog, Dexter's Lab, and he was the mayor in uh, in Powerpuff Girls as well. Uh-huh. Okay. Down here. What is it, Mr. Mayor? I accidentally gave the key to the city to my rival, the evil Baron Von Mayersley of Citytropolis. He's a great voice actor. He's been tons of things. Uh, Squidward was voiced by Roger Bumpus. You may have hoodwinked everyone else in this backwater town, but you can't fool me. I listen to public radio. Who, he doesn't really have any other main characters. Squidward is like his main guy, but he's been in, he's done a ton of voice acting. Patrick was voiced, or is voiced by Bill Fagerbaca. I can't, Fagerbaca. I fucked up the name. I don't know how to pronounce it. (laughs) Once there was an ugly barnacle. He was so ugly that everyone died. The end. But he was Marshall's dad in How I Met Your Mother, and he was Broadway in Gargoyles, which for me, Gargoyles is like, that was my jam in the 90s. Uh, and he was Dauber in the show Coach, yeah. which I would be shocked if Coach 
made it to Ireland. There's no way. Absolutely not. I don't think so. <laughs> I've never heard of it. Craig T. Nelson plays a football coach, like a high school football coach or something like that. And it, it there's it, there's no way that relates to a high school, sorry, American football <laughs> coach where you can, no, where you pass that. it with your I hands. That, yeah, yeah. Okay. We don't have coaches. So, we have trainers. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, there you go. And they all wear like nice suits. Uh, not our, not our <laughs> Definitely. Uh, but... So, and I actually met Bill uh, Fagerbaca at a Rams football game uh, one time, which was which made me very happy because I was just like, "Oh my God, you're Patrick from SpongeBob, or you're the <laughs> guy, your guy from Coach." Does he sound like him? Oh yeah, he. I mean, he basically, you know, he just kind of dumbs up his voice a little bit, but he sounds. That's basically exactly how it <laughs> yeah, sounds yeah. like. I can actually, I can, I think I can kind of picture it like now, you know, I like uh, making those realizations that you can, that you know, when across, across different TV shows that the same voice is playing a completely different character and you didn't realize it until whatever I meant. Like yeah. for, for instance, Bob's Burgers, Bob and Archer yes. are voiced by the same guy and he doesn't change his voice or anything. Like <laughs> no, not, exact same not even a little bit. <laughs> but there's such different characters that I never, I didn't realize until like about a year after I started watching Bob's Burgers. All right, you guys. Guys like impressions? Here's that guy Bob from Bob's Burgers. Hi, I'm Bob from Bob's Burgers. How about that show Archer? You watch that show Archer? Here's that guy Archer. Hi, I'm Archer from that show Archer. Now what if those guys met? Hey Archer, it's Bob. Hey Bob, it's Archer. Thank you. I love Bob's Burgers. I love both of those shows. Bob's Burgers actually is my favorite cartoon going on right now. Yeah, it would have been mine until Big Mouth came out. And now I'm Big Mouth guy. Oh, is, but... is that any good? I'm afraid to try it. Oh, it's unreal. It's absolutely unbelievable. Definitely watch it. It's so good. All right. Since you recommended it, I'll give it a shot. Do. It's really good. Let me know what you think about it. I will. Uh, okay. Mr. Crab is voiced by Clancy Brown. Do you smell it? That smell. The kind of smelly smell. Smelly smell that smells smelly. Who John and I, we've talked how much we love Clancy Brown in our episode about Shawshank Redemption. Uh, another great character he played was uh, the Sergeant Zim in Starship Troopers. Yes. Which we'll, de- we'll definitely do Starship Troopers eventually. Yeah. I'd be shocked if that movie passes the Bechdel test. There's no <laughs> way. Absolutely not. Plankton, uh, who's kind of like, he la- emerges later on in the show as like an- another kind of villain yeah. for SpongeBob. I, I think. love Plankton. I love him. Yeah. He's so angry. Just make your own burger. <laughs> Stop living your life through other people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's voiced by a guy named Mr. Lawrence. But it's becoming increasingly obvious. I can deny it no longer. I am small. Mr. Lawrence did the voice of Filbert on Rocco's Modern Life. So multiple Rocco's Modern Life cast was on here. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have a first name. It's on IMDb. (laughs) It's Mr. Lawrence, like Mr. Dot. That's. His first name. That's his name. You check check out his IMDb or something. Like that's no first name. His name has been changed to Mr. Lawrence. Weird. I love that voice though. Plankton's voice is pretty great. Mr. Krabs obviously wasn't mean enough. I mean, he was uh, the only bad thing about him is that he doesn't like that he loves money. Yeah. Which I mean, I'm a modern woman. I love money too. Yeah, exactly. Everybody <laughs> um, loves money. I think that maybe they just needed someone more evil, but not against SpongeBob. It's just the 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 beef is between Plankton and Mr. Krabs. Mr. Krabs, who by the way is a crab that has a whale for a daughter. So how did that? <laughs> yeah, true. I don't. <laughs> you've really got to suspend a lot of disbelief for this one. <laughs> yes, yeah. This this show is not anything that you assume as reality. There actually was quite a bit of uh, adults that started watching the show. I think 
maybe early on. I think particularly because they loved marijuana, and this show <laughs> seems like it fits very well with smoking the ganja. <laughs> yeah, absolutely it does. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. I think that's why... Partly... Or taking some acid or something. Yes, oh yeah, probably, yeah, exactly. Acid shrooms. Oh, shrooms would make so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> why didn't I do that? Uh, presumably, I don't know, but... <laughs> next, <laughs> next time. <laughs> I actually don't. <laughs> no, yeah. I should no, try no. it. I will try it. Yeah. I, if you make me try it, I will. I will. <laughs> Alright, done. When you're, when you're out in Los Angeles or I go to Dublin ever. Sounds good. We're, I'm bringing some shrooms. Sweet. <laughs> oh, that'll go over well. That's a promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no uh, recorded evidence of it as well. You'll get through customs, no problem. Irish customs, probably. Like, to be honest. <laughs> <Irish> cu- <laughs> They're like, yeah, come on in. Some other great voice actors have done just one-off parts or just small uh, multiple characters. People that we've mentioned before on the podcast, D. Bradley Baker, Kevin Michael Richardson, uh, Frank Welker. Everybody has done a voice and like so many different A-list actors and just like big stars have done lent their voice at one point or another almost it's almost like the Simpsons honestly because everybody kind of wants it Spongebob has become so big that you kind of want to have a voice on there that's so cool I didn't know that at all yeah I'll have to look I'll have to check that out so as we kind of mentioned this show just centers around the misadventures of Spongebob and his cast of kind of crazy characters there's no real storyline and it's kind of split up between two different smaller mini episodes that are just whatever whatever the hell the 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 writers were smoking that day is what they <laughs> yeah, just kind of exactly, thought up yeah. of. Uh, usually it's all ridiculous stuff. There's usually a lot of like, I saw, I saw plenty of like burping and farting and that those kind of jokes. Very kids joke. Not as bad as like Ren and Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy was over the top yeah. with that. And I so couldn't this is watch a, it. Like, I couldn't watch even, even as a child, I was like, this is gross out humor and I don't like it. There's me like a child. I'm like, this isn't intellectual enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't quite call SpongeBob intellectual, <laughs> but it's a toned down version of Ren and Stimpy. Um, and really like just the overall silliness and just like, the, the uh, slapstick type of humor is, I think, what the appeal of the show was. Definitely. But now on rewatching it, it's just a lot. It's really hard to keep my focus on anything these days. I think everyone's very similar. You get on your phone and you get distracted or whatever. Mm-hmm. There was nothing really to keep my interest because, as you say, it was just so wacky. It's everything in it is so arbitrary. You really don't need to be following the plot to know what's happening. But I guess, yeah, it does make it a good TV show. Also, again, I'd like, hey, to be so blind to brick about this, but there are no women in it. Like, there's no women in it. <laughs> <laughs> and there's you have the you, you have got, the whale daughter you have Sandy yeah. uh, Sandy the squirrel I hated Sandy she was so annoying <laughs> She was definitely, she was meant to be the annoying feminist character. It's as if all yeah. the writers, it's as if someone had gotten onto Job the writers done. and been like, why are there no women in it? And they were like, oh, you want a woman? Okay, here you go. Have a fucking loud oh, yeah. bitch. That's what we'll put in. <laughs> she was, she was good at karate. Yeah. Uh, and that's about it. I know, but she, it's its all very kind of like, it's, it's a caricature of, uh, yeah. it's as if they're like, okay, oh, you want a woman in it? We'll put you in it. How about that? But now you're a squirrel, <laughs> eh? Yeah. Squirrels shouldn't live in the ocean, but this one does because she's independent. Yeah. The exact, she's, she's in, she don't need no air, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly she don't need no air uh, I, I, I did like that episode it's one of the main episodes of Spongebob that I remember as in you know that I that I actually am able to conjure up in my head uh, is the one where he visits her in her little dome and she doesn't realise that he needs water and he's like trying to be polite <laughs> that's, part, that's part of episode one is it? yeah no way uh, yeah actually I rewatched that one 
I watched episode one and just a couple others. And that was, I think it was like the second mini episode. I thought that she was way later. I thought that she was brought in later. Oh my God, my timeline's all messed up. Yeah, yeah. But no, that was a very funny scene. He's trying to be so damn polite. Yeah, he's uh, like so nice. He's like <laughs> pinky in the air. And he's like, water would be nice. So funny. That that has turned into a meme. Uh, I, and in general, I don't think there has been any singular thing that has become so many different memes on the internet yeah. like Spongebob. There are tons of Spongebob things everywhere. That's true. That's true. It is. Uh, it's a good show for what it is, I suppose. But I, de- I definitely couldn't. Re- I couldn't. I, w- I did try and rewatch it for this. And I was just like, this isn't. It's, it doesn't fly with me now. No. A couple other interesting things about the show. That where they live, they live in Bikini Bottom, which is based off of Bikini Atoll, uh, which was uh, a site that the U.S. used to test and develop advanced nuclear weapons uh, during the Cold War. So between ah. 1946 through 1958, the U.S. detonated 67 nuclear weapons around Bikini Atoll. No wonder there's crabs giving birth to whales. <laughs> Makes sense now. Exactly. These characters are basically like radiated mutant freaks <laughs> at the bottom of uh, that ocean right there. <laughs> I suppose, though, if that were true, then actually like that's kind of they what those nuclear weapons did is gave the animals the marine life. <laughs> Yes. Intelligence <laughs> and uh, uh, and yeah, and autonomy. So and eventually, eventually they will take over the human overlords. They will win. And uh, I praise praise to my crab overlords. Yeah, I uh, I've always loved you. It's very clear that we're after fucking everything up. So I really don't mind if Mr. <laughs> yes. Krabs wants to be in charge for a while. Very What's true. The, like, I mean, Mr. Krabs has got to be better than Trump, you know. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anybody, pretty much anybody at this stage. Let Patrick do it. Let Patrick start into the free world. Fuck it. Patrick, that character in particular, he gets from the first few episodes, because I watched some in season one and then like again and then some in season four, like they progressively, as they should, you know, they get more of a vibe of how they want their characters to be. That character wasn't nearly as dumb in like the very first episodes. (laughs) And then they just kind of make him dumber and dumber and dumber throughout. Yeah. It's just that's part of any show. Another just fairly interesting, interesting thing about SpongeBob within the very first month that it was on air, SpongeBob overtook Pokemon as the highest rated Saturday morning kids series. Whoa. So like it came on and it auto- immediately started dominating Saturday cartoons, Whoa. which is pretty crazy. That yeah. is crazy. It's the Nickelodeon show with the most uh, episodes like on Nickelodeon, which it took over. Rugrats had 172 and then SpongeBob passed that. Now it's at 244. It's the most, you know, most Nickelodeon show that they've ever had. <laughs> That's amazing, though. Uh, a couple, Just a couple other really cool things. As of like 2018 or 2017, SpongeBob and all of his like the media franchise and all the toys and everything has generated 13 billion dollars in merchandising revenue wow. for Nickelodeon. Wow. Like, they, they knocked it out of the park with Spongebob. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. You wouldn't think, but like, and because it is just a sponge, isn't it, at the end of the day? <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and in 2011, there was a newly found species of fungus that they named Spongiforma squarepantsii. No uh, way! And it was named after, obviously named after Spongebob, so a fungus was named after him. It's funny as well that the, the decision that they took uh, to make the sponge an, like an actual cube or like yeah. a rectangle sponge because that's not of course that's not how sponges exist in the wild uh, yes. but so it's like and I by the way we don't really have those kind of sponges here we do but you have to you, you can't just get them I'm pretty sure that it must be like that's a regular sponge for you guys yeah it's like yeah the, 
rectangle, yeah. yellow yeah. rectangle. Yep. We don't really have those in that form. What do you? How do you wash your dishes? Uh, oh, well, we have sponges. Do you just just is all of Ireland have the dirtiest dishes? <laughs> <laughs> it's like gross. We have sponges. It's just that they're not that they're not that color and they're not that consistency. They're like a, a there's a it's more of a concentrated sponge. I don't know how else to say okay. it, dude. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. You're looking at me confused. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, final thoughts. I 100% agree with you that the show fantastic for kids, but like as an adult, is not going to keep my attention. I'm probably never going to watch it, and I'll be fine with that. But you know, it's just it's crazy to see how much it's taken over all of pop culture. Yeah, I didn't actually realize that. That's impressive. I have respect for it, but never going to watch it again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's impressive. I I do wish that I kind of, that it, I, I'm disappointed that I didn't like it that much this watching. But uh, but that said, maybe I just need to watch some more classic episodes because I kind of just put it randomly on on Netflix. So maybe if I had deliberately sought out the ones that really, that I loved, maybe then I'd I'd like them more just for a nostalgic point of view. Big shout out to Gary the Snail as well. That'd be out. <laughs> Big fan of Gary the Snail. Oh, that's right. We did talk about Gary. He's like his little pet. Yeah. He meowed because he's a cat yeah. in this world, uh, but uh, but he's a snail. Also, he's like the most intelligent thing in the whole mm-hmm. because he doesn't talk. He knows to shut the fuck up. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I did not bother rewatching this because I've seen ah, it so many geez. damn times. I've seen it so many times because my kids love it. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, true. It's, okay. it's, it's been in the background of my life for like the last eight years. You know, again, yeah, I'm pretty much echoing everything you guys said. There are some funny moments or, you know, times something would be said that would make me laugh because the humor, some of the humor was intended for adults. Yeah. But overall, uh, there are some shows that my kids watch that I do not mind and actually I think find very entertaining. Uh, I've said it before, Phineas and Ferb, I thought it was one of the most intelligent cartoons ever made for both kids and adults this one not so much (laughs) (laughs) yeah this one's a little it's not very much of a thinker is it no so yeah that's more that's it all right well spongebob can stay in your nostalgia uh it doesn't soak up the fun of an adult's (laughs) i don't know i I was trying too hard fuck that that sucked anyway Uh, we're done we're done done with spongebob let's let's move on moving on This episode of the Blast From Our Past podcast is not brought to you by Polaroid VHS. Oh, I do enjoy an evening with a little light entertainment. But when your video heads get dirty, you lose your picture. Not a pretty sight. Happily, this new Polaroid video cassette will help you. It actually cleans your heads as it plays, so dirty heads needn't haunt you. New Polaroid video cassettes. Get the picture? All right, so as we unfortunately didn't mention at the beginning of the show, we are actually going to do a casting of Edward Scissorhands. Sorry, Adam. You didn't mention it, so I didn't say it. I fucked that up. I fucked it up. <laughs> so we are going oh to cast, obviously, Edward. We're going to cast Kim, Peg, Joyce, Jim, and why the hell not, the inventor, too. I've also recast Esmeralda, the religious lady. I, I had to. <laughs> awesome. I had awesome. to because cool. she reminded me. She, like, I remembered her so vividly, so I had to. Cool. Not a problem. Let's do this. Let's kind of work backwards from the list uh, from the list I said, and then we'll kind of interject your, your bonus one in there, probably around the time we get to Joyce. So let's start with the inventor. Uh, Adam, 
why don't you start us off? So, yeah, the inventor, you kind of, you want somebody, it's a very cameo-esque kind of role. You don't need much of it. And in and in my interpretation, it would still be the same. I kind of very much just went for a, almost a one-for-one for, one for most of my mm-hmm. casting. I just kind of wanted to recreate this movie and see if a different director would do a different style of it. And if he was still alive and maybe, you know, not dealing with some of the health issues that he had, I would have 100% cast Tim Curry. Oh. I wanted, I kind of wanted like Dr. Frankenfurter remade as the inventor if I could have had it, but he, he's no longer with us and it's just, he's not, you know, he, his, his mental health or his, his wasn't very good for a while, but... I went with another actor who has played villains before, kind of like similar how Vincent Price kind of has played uh, that kind of thing way back in the day. This actor played Dracula. I think it was a Dracula 2000. I can't remember. But it was... Uh, anyway, he's, he can do anything. I went with Gary Oldman. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. he'd be a fantastic okay. inventor. That's a good one, yeah. that That's definitely a good one. Actually, now that I'm talking... I bet you this is quite common, but now that I'm talking to you, I'm like, my mind is racing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this would have been good. This would have been good. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Gary yeah. Oldman, that's a great... That's a great one. So, um, I went... I thought also, same thing, much more of a um, cameo role. Oh, shit. Tim, Tim Curry's not dead yet. <laughs> Whoops! Sorry, Tim. I know his health. His health is in very bad deterioration. I know that. I thought he. I thought he died. I'm sorry, Tim Curry. Fuck. If you bounce back, Tim, I will uh, gladly cast you. But I think he's not doing so hot. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Gary Oldman, it is so. Gary Oldman, it is. Gary Oldman, it is. <laughs> Alright, so for mine, I went, uh, I wasn't thinking so much in terms of villain, I was just thinking of like a sweet old man, and so, you know what, if he was still alive, I might have put Stan Lee in here, Uh, just for something fun. The king of cameos. Yes. (laughs) But uh, I actually went with someone who I met recently at a convention, and I think he would work well for this, and I would worry about his health, but he just danced on top of a table in a movie recently. I went with Dick Van Dyke. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, okay. not bad. I th- when you said danced on top of a table, I thought of Christopher Walken, so he would have been great, actually, as well. Uh, yeah, he would definitely be a good one That's as well. not who I chose, but... Who'd you go with? Uh, Morgan Freeman. Okay. He was on my list as well. I, I yeah. had a couple people, and I thought of Morgan Freeman. I think that's a good call. He can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I, the problem is, I'd want him to narrate the entire movie, then, <laughs> yes. if that was the yes, case. Yes, 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 yes. Very true. Very true. No, I think that he'd be good because, it's, because he is at that stage of his career where he doesn't need to be picking up big roles, but he's very recognizable. That's what I liked about Vincent Price. You know, even the voice, Vincent Price's voice voice in this film is very it's like soothing in a nostalgic way all of it kind of like just pointed to Morgan Freeman I know that Tim Burton wouldn't have that because he's racist but um <laughs> but that's that's what my brain came up with so too bad Tim Burton I'm that's be- cool. making your movie better by having like people of color in it and you can suck it so that's it <laughs> <laughs> suck it suck it Tim Burton it's not a sentence I ever thought I'd say but <laughs> mm-hmm. But there you go. All right. All right. Let's move on to uh, kind of our main antagonist, Jim, uh, the asshole. Oh, I didn't realize we were. Oh, we, uh, yeah, I did. Sorry. I do have him on my list. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Right. Well, why don't you go ahead and start us off with the who you cast as Jim? Okay. So I don't know why. because well, Actually, I do. I do know why. It's because uh, he's good looking and has been aggressive in the movies that I've liked him in. And uh, it's Army Hammer. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, wow. Yeah. He's the Winklevoss twins in the social network. First of all, he's extremely good looking. <laughs> and, yeah. He's a handsome dude. Yeah. He's so hot, man. And uh, Second of all, he's really good at being an asshole. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, I think what I like about him when it, in terms of mix, matching him up with Jim is that he clearly ha- he's got this very entitled air about him. Um, I think I've only seen him in the social network, maybe one other thing. And then I realized the other day that he was like an extra in Arrested Development when I was a child. Was it? <laughs> not when I was a child. I was really watching it the other day and he, there is a scene that Army Hammer is in. I was like, oh my God, fucking the Winklevoss twins just told, <laughs> <laughs> just showed, told George Michael that he's a loser. Um, but yeah, I think because he's got this very entitled air, you can tell that he comes from money, but he doesn't like, he doesn't even appreciate it. And he feels like everything is uh, an affront to him. And he's a bit paranoid. So <laughs> He's got the look. I think he, he looks... Like that douche yeah. kind of character, beefy, for sure. all American macho man, kind of like just mm-hmm. just an asshole from the off. Like, and I definitely, I feel like he would do Jim well in the in the body language sense and so on as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'd like to see that. Cool. He's really good at just starting fights with people that are that. I mean, just leave it alone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get over it, Army Hammer. Come on. <laughs> So yeah, I think that might be a good one. How about you guys? I'll jump in with mine. Um, I cast my Kim fairly young, like a couple years younger than Winona Ryder was at the time, uh, who I believe she was 19 when she made this movie, and I think I cast someone who I think is 17 at the moment. Um, so I wanted my gym to be a little bit younger. So I went with someone uh, who's playing a high schooler right now on the CW on a show called Riverdale. I went oh. with a, a kid named Cole Sprouse. Who plays? Okay. He, he plays Jughead. He's got a. He's a has a twin, Dylan. They were on that. Um, They're on Big Daddy. Yeah, Big Daddy. That's right. They were. They were the uh, the Big Daddy kids. Yeah. That's right. Dol- Cole and Dylan Sprouse. Yeah. Okay. I don't know him. So. Okay. No comment. <laughs> I, I think I think it's a good casting just because of um, the Riverdale kind of style. I think that fits in kind of like with the douchey gym pretty well. Okay, cool. I took kind of somewhat of a different angle. And what I thought of was, all right, when Anthony Michael Hall was uh, in Breakfast Club, he was a nerd. This was where he was like his not nerd role. So I was like, you know what? I want to hire an actor who definitely plays a nerd right now. Um, so he's, he's definitely a nerd. And then this will be his role where he will be a little bit less goofy, <laughs> less nerdish, and he'll kind of be that douche. I'm gonna, I want to see the range. So as I've mentioned, I've probably used every single person in the show Blackish before, <laughs> but uh, I haven't used Marcus Scribner, who plays Junior in the show Blackish. Okay. He's a high school. He's 19 years old right now. So he's kind of like, I also went young with my a bit younger Kim. Yeah. Cause they were, I think she was supposed to be like 16, 17 in the movie. They, they mentioned that. So I've, I kind of wanted to keep like that young, naive side of Kim in there. Cause like, I don't, I don't really want to root for Kim and Edward as a relation, but I do like the idea of, you know, there's the whole naivety between them. And so anyway, with Jim, I went with Marcus Scribner from Blackish. Okay. I think he's funny as hell. He's goofy as shit in that show. And so this would be, be his chance to get out of the goofiness, just like Anthony Michael Hall. Okay. <laughs> Give him a chance to be an asshole. Why not? Exactly. <laughs> and that's all men need, right? Yeah. We only need that one chance. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Someone be nicer to men. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Cool. Uh, so before we do Joyce, Blaine do you want to do your extra one uh okay uh so esmeralda the religious lady yeah it's gonna this is gonna come out of left field i think lady gaga huh. I, don't, I mean she can do she can do absolutely anything yeah she is brilliant she's very good 
So. I can see it. I can totally see it. And I, I like that it's sort of a, a an antithesis of what she is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That, I think she would have fun with the role herself, you know? So I think that she would do it and uh, and she would kind of really own it because it's so the opposite of her that she'd be like, she'd ha- just have fun with it. When I think of Lady Gaga, I probably more think of Joyce than uh, I think of that other role. But I think it would be fun to kind of see her do, um, you know, that very religious-y kind of thing instead. Confession time, I had already chosen her for Joyce and then I came up with someone else for Joyce. So then I moved <laughs> oh, to her. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's cool. No, I like I like the uh, the change on that. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right. So uh, speaking of Joyce, let's go ahead and cast her. I'll go ahead and start with this one. I had thought actually, my first thought was she reminds me of Peggy from Married with Children. So I thought oh, about yes, I thought yes. about Katie Seagal. Oh my God. Katie's a little bit older now. Now I think she's yeah. I think she's in her late sixties, almost almost seventies maybe. So I did go a little bit younger, but I went with an actress who actually was also on. We talked about. Um, uh, well, the original Joyce was on Picket Fences, mm-hmm. and I also went with an actress from Picket Fences. Okay. I went with uh, Lauren Holly. <laughs> oh, Lauren Holly from uh, Dumb and Dumber. Yep, exactly. I like that. Ah, yeah, I haven't seen her on stuff for a little while, but yes. I mean, she's a good comedic actress. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I don't know the people that you're talking about. <laughs> did you uh, Did you see Dumb and Dumber? I did, but it would have been when I was very young. Okay. Like, I don't remember. But she's the redheaded woman that they. That they kind of they're trying to get the suitcase back to. Mm, yeah, I know. I, I don't have any memory of it. Okay, Swanson, 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 Samsonite. I was, was way, way off. <laughs> okay. All right, uh, Adam. Why don't you go ahead and tell us yours? So yeah, I kind of uh, similar enough in that Andridge. I was kind of like hoping for somewhere anywhere between like forty-ish to high fifties was kind of the route that I wanted to take. Okay. I, I didn't stray too far off with Joyce or with my Joyce um, care or my actor. She's currently playing on TV. She's been playing for a while. I guess kind of a housewife, but not not the horny, extra horny housewife that, uh, <laughs> that Joyce is. But I think she could play it very well. And Joyce is very interesting because she's very, uh, very sexual. And she's got like this fake voluptuousness to her. It just, I don't know, it just seems fake. Where my, the actress I chose is actually very curvy, very voluptuous. But I think they would do some stuff to kind of make her, to fake it up a little bit. I went with Sofia Vergara from Modern okay. Family. Yeah. You know, she's got her accent. I think that would be kind of fun to mix it in there with this overtly sexual deviant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's, uh, what's the word? Oh, I can't remember it. Okay. <laughs> a woman? A, nymph- She's a nymphomaniac. Good? A nymphomaniac. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, nympho- yeah, she is a nymphomaniac. I have to wait. You're yeah. like, a woman? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> Could you not think of the no, word woman? I'm pretty sure I say that a lot. That's in my lexicon, okay. so... <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Uh, mine, I kind of have two choices. I think one would be a better actual actress for it, but that the other looks more like the Joyce character. So looks-wise, Natasha Leon. Okay. Natasha Leon, she's uh, yeah. in Russian Doll. She's the, she was in uh, Orange is the New Black. Yes. Since Russian Doll came out, four people that don't know each other have all texted me and said that I am her. So that's I've got a connection <laughs> to her. Uh, I like that call. Yeah, I, I yes, I, I think that was a really good call yeah. personally. But let's see let's see about your other one. Uh, well, Jennifer Lawrence, I think, would be great at acting it. You know, uh, mm. but then yeah. I don't think that she's as extreme as when you look at her. You're not hit. You're your reaction to her physically isn't as much as Natasha Leon, you know? Right. So. Yeah, I like Natasha Leon's 
choice. I think that's um I think that's a great choice, honestly. Yeah, she'd be good. She'd be she'd make it even o- more overtly sexual somehow <laughs> if she that's would. at all possible. She definitely would. Yes, she would. I love her. So let's uh, move on to Peg, um, our well-to-do mother. Adam, why don't you start us off with Peg? Sure. She is our Avon lady. Diane West is a fantastic actress. I di- honestly I don't think I picked up to her caliber and now I'm kind of regretting my decision <laughs> I should have gone with maybe a bigger name or, or just a not to say this actress isn't a great a good actress but Diane West is like a great actress and I don't think I, I should have picked someone like that I went with more of like a comedy route I went with someone someone who plays funny females in comedy movies um, she's also married to Judd Apatow, and that's why she's been in Knocked Up and 40-Year-Old Version as well as uh, uh, what she's most well-known for. But her name is Leslie Mann. Oh. She is funny. So she is good. She's been in plenty of stuff, but like that's kind of what I know her best from, as f- from 40-Year-Old Version and Knocked Up. Um, but I th- thinking about it now, I'm a little disappointed in my choice, and I should have <laughs> spent more time <laughs> and picked someone else. No, it's, uh, she's hard. She is very hard to cast because Diane West did such a good job of it. So yeah. Like, yeah. It is hard to... Blaheen, what did you uh, cast for Peg? I've got, again, I've got two. The first one is my first choice, but everyone would be like, oh, but Peg is white. And then I'd be like, that's stupid. No, that's so that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. We um, do that all the time on here. We'll, yeah. we'll change genders, races, whatever actor we yes. think fits the role. That's, oh, that's good. We'll, I didn't we'll even think that. of taking different genders. That'd be great. That's a good, that's a really good idea. Uh, no, I, I thought of Vi- Viola Davis would make a really good uh, Peg. Ooh, yeah. I think she's got, she's got strength, but she's also got gentleness. She's got a lot of care in her uh she's a, an amazing actor so i mean that like that she could do, she really could do anything viola davis in the characters that i've he's i've seen her you know uh how to get away with murder and so on she's very kind of she's very gentle but strong presenting but then when she's when she comes to realizations it's almost too late so i can't imagine her sitting there with kim being like maybe we should send the freak home i don't know <laughs> <laughs> why I brought him down in the first place to be honest she's fantastic I actually used her in our previous casting episode mm. just because she can do anything yeah she's fantastic she's one of the premier actors mm-hmm. right now 100% so never gonna hear me say something bad yeah I also thought of Meryl Streep I think Meryl Streep would be good in this as well hmm. oh yeah yeah. she can do anything yeah I think uh, Adam and I have been hesitant to use Meryl Streep for anything because she seems like such an <laughs> obvious choice for a lot of things that's that True, that, but I do think she'd be good at this, though. No, you're right. Exactly. We could say, I mean, boom, Edward Scissorhands, Meryl Streep, done. Yeah. She, I mean, she could do every single, she could do kind of like how, uh, what uh, Eddie Murphy did with the clumps, and she could play every single character in Edward Scissorhands <laughs> and do a great job. If she wanted to, she totally could. Yeah. I went a, maybe a little bit younger. I mean, she's she's about uh, she's about my age. She's a little bit older. She's in her, like, early 40s. Gross. You're old, John. <laughs> I'm not even 40 yet, and I'm already old. Uh, <laughs> I actually went with Amy Adams. Oh, okay. Okay. I yeah. saw I, I I didn't see Vice, but I've seen some clips of her in Vice, and I've kind of I kind of got vibes of Peg with that. I never saw Arrival, but I've heard Arrival is awesome. I have too. Actually, I'm trying to think. I haven't really seen besides just a couple of her things. I saw Man of Steel, which I hated. I hate Man of Steel, <laughs> but I never saw American Hustle. I never saw Enchanted. I never saw. Did you catch? Doubt. Did you see Catch Me but, If You Can? I did. That was a long time That's ago. True. Though, it was but a yeah, long I time ago. Forgot about that movie. Yeah, she's good in that. Actually, she's a good actress. She, she. I'm sure she could make that happen. Alison Brie might also be good. Alison Brie has a lot of comedy. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a good call. She's she's pretty young though. She is. Yeah, that's true. She might be a little too young. Yeah, that's true. But besides that, age her up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Which they have no problem doing in Edward Scissorhands. Apparently. Yes. 
Yeah, uh, just like Winona Ryder, just age her up like that. Yeah, just <laughs> stick some rubber cool. on her face, put her in a rubber suit. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. All right. Uh, so now our, our leading lady, Kim. I'll jump in with mine. I I kind of was having trouble doing this, and then I saw a trailer for a movie that's coming out that I really have no intention of seeing. <laughs> However, the main actress looked like like I could throw her into this role, and she'd do pretty well. Um, she was recently in the movie It, the remake, and she's going to be playing Nancy Drew in the movie that's coming out soon, and that's Sophia Lillis. Hmm. Don't know her either. I'm so bad at this. I'm an awful person for this. That's okay. <laughs> Ooh, she's strikingly pretty. She's got big eyes. Yeah, she's got humongous eyes. Yeah, she is young. She is, uh, what, about 16 or 17 now? Yeah. So she's right in, like, the age range that they kind of wanted. Well, I mean, Winona Ryder was only 19 when they when they made the film, so she's only a couple years older. Yeah. Yeah, she'd be good. I, I don't know. I don't know what her acting is like or anything so I've, i haven't seen it so i, I can't I'm, I'm with you I, I haven't seen it so hopefully she's i'm sure she's a good call john okay how about that thank you <laughs> i'll be positive thank you <laughs> thank you for being nice i went a bit too old with mine i think i think i definitely wasn't thinking of age enough i wasn't gonna say anything yeah but when you cast army hammer as well i mean well he's not that old army hammer was um I think it was born in 82, I think it said. So he, but he is, so he's in his 30s. Yeah. And so he's like, you obviously didn't go the high school route. No. But if you did, you're, you're going with like the, the really old high school route. Yeah, yeah. The way that like people have to play younger. I don't know. I was yes. just thinking of the characters and the, who would act them well. Maybe in your version. They're in college. She, I say she's in college. Yeah. She comes home from college to find Edward. And there we go. Yeah. That makes, that could work. That's it. Yeah. And, and, and he's, he's in the middle of a big court case uh, about this social network that he created. <laughs> And he's like angry at everybody and so on. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so my uh, my Kim, I I don't know if you guys will know uh, this actor. She's an, she's an Irish actor. Her name is Ruth Nega. I will look her up. She's look her up. Yeah, she first of all, I thought of Viola Davis, and then I was like, I guess if I'm gonna make Peg black, I better make. But then when I thought of Ruth Nega, I was like, actually, this is she would be perfect. Uh, she it's she is an Irish actor though, so. She's, um, I recognize her from uh, Agents of Shield. Yeah, I have. I mean, I haven't seen that. She was in like Love Hate, and she's been in yeah a good few films. There's a recent one that came out about I I don't know. I haven't seen it. I can't remember the name of it either. But I'm useless at this. Um, <laughs> but she it was an it was a movie about you know uh, during during the times in America where uh, people couldn't you a white a white man couldn't marry a black woman. That's part of it. But she's yeah she's excellent, and I think that she would make a really really good Kim again because she's kind of she's got that gentle kind of but she can also be a little bit I don't know she can play it a little bit judgmental too <laughs> Winona Ryder's <laughs> very good at the judgmental part you're like she's a bit <laughs> but although fair enough or Emma Watson oh Emma Watson would be good too I also yeah I also thought of Emma Watson so <laughs> uh yeah so. Emma, yeah I can see Emma Watson as well I stuck very similar with kind of Winona Ryder my actress is, I think, around 20 years old right now. Kind of definitely could still play high school because that's what I was, at least that's how I'm keeping it. Uh, she was in Super 8 when she was a little bit younger. She is also well known for being uh, the younger sister of a, another strong actress. Uh, I went with Elle Fanning. Okay. I think Elle Fanning could totally, because I want to keep a goth feel. <laughs> and I think when I, and when I imagine Kim, for some reason, I, I probably too much equate Winona Ryder with Beetlejuice and think Lydia and also think goth uh-huh. and so for some reason I just kind of like I was like oh I want to goth this kid up a little bit <laughs> I kind of tied in Elle Fanning because I think she could wear that and do that pretty well even though Kim is not gothy at all right but I just kind of I had that mentality in my head so yeah okay. that's a good show 
All right, now our title character. Blaheen, why don't you start us off since you're the guest? When I thought of this, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that anyone, like I, there's no one else in my head that could play him as well as this person. I was there, this has got to be it straight away, 100%. Because at first I was like, I don't know, Benedict Cumberbatch. And then I was like, no, 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 that's awful. That's terrible. That's really bad. No. But um, no, I think it has to be, it has to be Evan Peters. Uh, Yes. I recognize the name. I have to see the face. Evan Peters is, uh, he's in, he's in every season of American Horror Story. Yeah, he's uh, he's Quicksilver in the X-Men movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, in, in X-Men Apocalypse and Days of Future Past, he's Quicksilver. Yeah, it's American Horror Story that's really like put him on the map for me because I've, I've watched every season. And he's like, he just so easily and so well plays a creepy, misunderstood character. It's literally, it's what he was born to do. It's Okay. And I mean, Evan Peters with scissors for hands. Yes, bitch. Yes. do they not rewrite that and call it Irish Horror Story and do something Uh, different like a crazy weird leprechaun runs through and stabs people Uh, no I think what's going on in America at the moment you know it's horrific enough without us having to enter Ireland (laughs) I am I actually I have a joke about it where I say uh, I'm watching American Horror Story at the moment has anyone heard of American Horror Story and then I go oh sorry it's better known as CNN (laughs) Uh, but I'm I'm a comedian Um, but yeah, he's he's really, really good at playing the creepy character. Definitely very good at the misunderstood character. I think he's already played in, I think, maybe season five or six. There's one of the seasons called Freak Show where he has, uh, they call him the Lobster Boy because his hands are like overgrown and the fingers and uh, fingers and pinkies and everything are stuck together. So it's basically like he has pincer hands, but they're made of flesh. So... <laughs> You know, but uh, yeah, so he's already played that character. Okay. So it's got to be him. And he's so dark and so hot. Cool. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Adam, who'd you go with? I went with an actor who I feel has kind of played somewhat similar characters from Edward Scissorhands. In Mad Max Fury Road, he played Nux, who was one of like those painted death boys or whatever they were called. And then also in Warm Bodies, he played a zombie who was kind of like regaining his brain and I felt like it was very similar <laughs> to how Edward Scissorhands was kind of like you know very naive and like learning about humanity a little bit so I went with Nicholas Holt as my Edward Scissorhands okay oh yeah very good he's very kind of skinny uh he kind of has that look and he's done prosthetics before as Beast in the X-Men movies right so yeah actually so yeah we picked two two characters who've been in the same movies as the X-Men so <laughs> there we go so John did you round it out did you get another X-Man no <laughs> Damn. Yeah, actually, I don't know if you're going to like my pick. I went, yeah, he was a little bit older than uh, I thought when I, I actually thought he was, I thought he was like 10 years younger than me, but he only turns out he was born in 82. But I don't know. I feel like he could play a creepy character because I mean, Johnny Depp hardly had any lines in the movie. So it's not like he has to talk a lot. Uh, I actually went with Rami Malek. <gasps> okay. Ooh. Okay. Shy and misunderstood. I think he's got a look that would go that would go very well. Very well. For yeah, Edward Scissorhands. That's that's cool. Yeah. And okay. he's good at throwing tantrums. <laughs> yeah, he's a good tantrum actor. I'm just glad you didn't hate it, Adam. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna hate it. I don't think it's a bad call. He's a little bit older. I mean he's yeah, he's thirty eight right yeah. now. But I mean, he's going to be in makeup the whole time, so yeah, tons of makeup. So that's probably that's probably totally fine. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And and it's a doll. It's not like he doesn't have to be a high schooler. That's true. Like that's not a big. He's he was made however the hell the inventor wanted him to be made. So that's not a big deal. Cool. All right. All right. That's a good call. Yeah. So s- solid choices. All right. <laughs> good choices all around. It's got to be Evan Peters though at the end of the day. <laughs> 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 
I think it's got to be Nicholas Holt. Uh. Fuck Evan Peters. I've always hated Evan Peters. Uh. I've lo- I love Nicholas Holt. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right. Let's just make it all, all, all. Every character is Edward Scissorhands, and we've just recast it. <laughs> yeah. We go. Just Edward Scissorhands. There we go. Uh, all right, and that was our casting for Edward Scissorhands. Thank you, Blaheem, for joining us. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic having you on the show. Is there anything else you want to mention that you want to plug? Do you want to say one more bad thing about men? It doesn't matter. Whatever you want to say, thank you so much again for joining us. Um, Thank you so much for having me. It's been absolutely great. It's been such a a pleasure and a privilege. I really like doing podcasts. I learn a lot about myself. I'm very self-absorbed. So so this has been great. Uh, Yeah, I suppose the thing to plug would be I have got a podcast of my own. It's called I Don't Know Her. It's with myself and Aoife O'Connor. She's a really good friend and excellent co-host. And then other than that, yeah, the Tri Channel for sure. The Tri Channel is very good. Definitely check it out. Um, it's kind of I mean I me plugging it it feels a bit weird to me because it's kind of what it's the reason for people in America wanting to get me on their podcast uh, so <laughs> um, okay. so I'm very I'm very lucky so it's weird it feels weird to me uh, to be giving it a plug but definitely like I it's much bigger than me uh, there's so many other talented people on it it's well worth a watch it's very funny just like it's easy watching do that. Also, I'm a comedian, so if you're in Dublin, come see me. Come see me if you're in Dublin. Find out where I am. Not in a stalkery way, just in a way that you want to laugh at me. And uh, do that. That'd be great. I will vouch for her. I've seen her live. She's absolutely hilarious. Thank you. <laughs> Please join us next time for another Top 10 episode. We give you our Top 10 favorite 80s cartoon theme songs. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows from your childhood, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.